Alright, it's the uh, Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 43. With me always is Richard and Roy. Good evening, everyone. This is Rich. Hello! I'm Roy. Hello! Uh, la la la. <laughs> That's the show that used to come on, kids. That Actually, it's, it's still on. It's just in in, um, in uh, what, a rerun, so, yeah. All always right. relatable. Yeah. So, uh, we have a sponsor over at alterdementia.com and I'll have the link in the show notes because it's spelled funny. He actually sent me uh, some stuff. I ordered some stuff from him and I have not yet had time to shoot like some video with it. I ordered some 6mm stuff for uh, some 6mm sci-fi stuff to use with uh, Hammer Slammers and I'm really, really impressed with the quality that I got. It's clean, it's smooth, it, it looks exactly like what I sent him, and uh, yeah, so hopefully I'll make some time this week, or definitely before we record again, and uh, shoot a video of it and uh, post it on our YouTube channel, because that'll be great. But if you would like to get something, you can get like 20% off with the discount code COG2019 at alterdementia.com. Oh yeah, it's a new, it's a whole new world, <laughs> whole new year. I'm assuming it works. Let me know if it doesn't. I'm sure it will. So I happen to be, I was checking out Mike's uh, site earlier today, and I see that he had a little entry about Thingiverse, which I guess this is a, a, a website where you can get uh, files to 3D print. And uh, so some of that stuff, I think it's based per the file or per the designer of the of the STL file, um, he can print for you. So Thingiverse is a bunch of, of free uh, models that people have put up, and um, he might be able to, to work with you to get get some of that stuff printed. And so, but I looked at the Thingiverse website, and there was some cool – you can get, like, TIE Fighters, and uh, he printed up some droids uh, that are, are free to print from there. Um, so check out Thingiverse, and then have Mike print it up for you. Yeah, I, I think I got the stuff I had him in- – done from there or for, from somewhere wherever it was it was free you know mm-hmm. for for the uh the st louis files the stl files and, you know <laughs> and um i sent them to him you know and i was like can you do these we had one thing that we struggled with a little bit and that's this this sci-fi um uh oil or, or liquid pipe thing that uh I thought looked cool, and he had some trouble with that, but we got it, and uh, I'll, I'll show that in the uh, the video whenever okay. I do it and talk about the struggles that we faced. But, yeah, it was, I mean, I just sent him the files. You know, you download them for free, and you send, I sent them to him, and he printed them and shipped it to me. It was nice. So, All right. You know, it does remind me, before we sort of get started, one thing I mentioned on Twitter was, uh, this, starting this year, I want to try and quote-unquote compensate you guys a little bit you know as, as as much as i can so sporadically throughout the year free games will just show up so there you go you may well, I have yeah i have one that i got from you actually right. and i uh-huh. so uh, incidentally did you were you aware that my birthday is coming up next sunday no i was not okay uh i'm gonna turn the big five O. Oh wow okay so nice. yeah thank you Thank you for you that. You doing anything special? Nah, my my uh, dad and stepmom are coming over, and uh, we'll probably drink some beer and 
don't know. I decided I don't want a cake or anything, but I'm not really doing anything special. No cake? How can you not nah. have cake? I don't know. Mm. I, you know, well, so here's the deal. is I got back from a cruise, and, of course, you, I, I drank a lot, <laughs> and I ate a lot. So did you get, like, limited alcohol pass? Or? I did, yes. Okay. So yeah, through a Norwegian. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll spend as much on booze as you will on the cruise itself. Yeah, it's it's and it's really it's bar prices mostly. So like you know if you if you go buy a beer it's eight bucks. <laughs> yeah. Holy. Unless you get this uh, this this unlimited drink package, which was a deal on Norwegian Cruise Line. So you just paid for taxes and gratuities. So it was instead of one hundred and twenty dollars a day, it's twenty dollars a day. Nice. For basically whatever you want. And then it's a challenge to make sure you get your money's worth. Uh, <laughs> well, if you guys have been on a cruise, you know that drinking is kind of like a sport, it seems like, on those cruise ships. Drinking and eating. I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy. There's yeah. just, there's always food everywhere. Yeah. So, which reminds me, I got, uh, so I got back from the cruise, and I'm standing in the airport, and, like, the floor's moving. It's, the sea legs are a thing. Not yeah. because of the booze. No, but like your your body gets so used to that chip rocking back and forth. And this, it was windy in the Gulf. Um, so like the, ev- everywhere you went, you could feel the ship moving around. Yeah. Yeah, I used to be in the Navy and sea legs were definitely a thing. And I, I don't know why this is, but for some reason, it seems like I always got the more, like if I was in a small room, like a bathroom or a kitchen or something like that. It seems mm. like I was more likely to, to feel the sea legs in a small room. Okay. The uh, so the the deck that we were on, there were there were two corridors that ran the length of the ship. So our stateroom was in the back. You could look all the way to the front of the ship, nine hundred feet away, and at sea, you can see everybody in unison weaving back and forth as they're walking down the down the corridors. <laughs> yeah. So every, everybody's it's like synchronized staggering. Now, this reminds me, Roy, you're in Michigan, so where did you cruise on? What body of water were you on? Uh, So we went to Miami and sailed to Belize and to Costa Maya. So we could barely see the coast of Cuba. Um, So yeah, through the the Straits of Florida, I guess. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, you, you went down my way. Sort of. Well, actually, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're on Miami, it, Miami's the Atlantic side, but still, yeah, if it brought you around to the Gulf, so, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if it was like a Great Lakes cruise. Do they have those? Uh, they do, actually. There's uh, some there's some ships that have docked here in town, because I'm right on the lake. Um, you know, and they're like, um, it's some kind of a European cruise line that does like river cruises in Europe has now done them around the Great Lakes. Yeah, and there's, a, there's Mississippi River cruises, too. Well, yeah, oh. there is. We have in actual paddle bolts and stuff. Well, yep. at least on my end, yeah. And Rich used to be in the Navy? I did, yeah. Top Gun, Long. right? Yeah, absolutely. I was. Uh, <laughs> I, I shot down uh, 37 MiGs. <laughs> No, that was a that was a long, long time ago. What did you, What did you do? What did you do? I'm curious. I was a midshipman. Basically, I got to bother people and get in the way and learn how to do things, but it was fun. So that's kind of like a senior enlisted 
kind of person? Actually, it's the opposite. It's it's the most junior officer. It's an officer in training is what it is. Okay. And I never finished and got my commission because, uh, so this was back 91, 92. I don't know if you remember the, uh, the Cold War dividend, I think they were calling it at the time, and they decided we no longer needed 650 ships in the Navy. We only needed about 450. So they cut a couple hundred ships and cut a, a bunch of ROTC scholarships and stuff like that. But I spent a couple years in ROTC, spent my summers on ships and stuff like that. So, yeah. Hmm. Long time is ago. It, is that a, a, a life experience that you look back on with fondness? or? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that is interesting. I forgot about that, that um, when the Cold War just stopped for like the first time in American history, we were like, you know what? Let's not spend so much money on the military anymore. Let's start closing, yeah. start closing bases and all this stuff. And so that's, that lasted about lasted about 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how Clinton ended up with that whole um, what was it? Right. Uh, the surplus, the budget surplus. Yeah. The biggest peace in history. Dividend. That's yeah. what they called it, the peace dividend. Yeah. And yeah, I, I forgot about that. Uh, so I, <laughs> all I remember um, is by the time I was senior in high school, just starting um, uh, college, uh, Gulf War One started. That was Desert Storm for yeah. you kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this was shortly after that. Yeah. And uh, people I knew that joined the military right there on the tail end of it and got, like, some kind of, like, bonus or, or whatever for doing that. And, yeah, so just in, just curious, you know. Anyway, back to uh, tab- tabletop game. <laughs> Roy, it's what... It's tangential. I know. Roy, what have you been playing? So, let's see. I played a game of Key Forge with my wife, and it's, it's been quite a while since we've played that, so we kind of had to, had to fumble our way through the rules with that. Um, and, uh, I don't know, I still want to play more Keyforge, and I just don't, I guess. There's so many other games that I have to play. But yeah, I'm kind of in that situation. I, uh, my, that's one of the games I really wanted to get in while my daughter is home from college, and she's got one week left, so hopefully I'll get it in this week. Okay. Let's see, and then I played, uh, a game of Wingspan with my wife. Uh, still enjoy this game. It's it's uh, it's soothing, and it's you know there's a, the engine building aspect to it. And uh, although when we were playing this afternoon, I realized it was kind of more um, there was not a whole lot of player interaction going on. It was more just a kind of a race for um, for the various rounds to to finish up. So it was kind of a, it was it was kind of a parallel um, solitaire sort of game. So that was Wingspan. And then I played – I'm sorry, go ahead. Is uh, is that atypical for Wingspan? Because I haven't played it yet. Is there usually more player interaction, just that game didn't feel like it? I, I think with more players, there is. There's Some of the key cards will say once between turns. So like when another player uses a particular power, then you can do this. Okay. Um, but by and large, no, it's really kind of – there's not too much. And so then I, uh, this is a, the, the game that uh, Adam sent me, a game called Tr- Crisis Tokyo. It's a little card game. Um, and it is, well, let me say the cards are very colorful, and there's a lot of clever little um, sayings and stuff on it, too. Uh, and it is a, it's a battle game, so you have, you have your hand of cards. There are 
the and all the cards are two sided. So like the event cards will have an, a, two different events on them, and depending on how you play it, is what event comes up. And then you assemble your team, and you have your your tableau of, of your team in front of you. Uh, and on the opposite side of the team cards are the nemesis cards. So the cards that you lay down that form your team, uh, you also take those same cards from your hand. You can play them as nemesis cards, or I'm sorry, not nemesis, menace cards. And so if you're going to go and try to uh, attack a particular part of Tokyo, you play a menace card on there and try to menace that district and claim it. And anybody can choose to come in and say, oh, I'm going to defend Tokyo with my team. So that's uh, Crisis Tokyo. Uh, and then I played two games of Root this past Friday. One was with the Mechanical Marquee, which is in the expansion. The I believe it's in the Riverfolk expansion. So we played a four-player game with the Mechanical Marquee. So, I mean, three humans and then the, then the bot. How'd you like uh, that? It's so the the Dominion or the not the Dominion. What's the what are the the special cards? Domination cards. Oh, domination cards. Yeah. Yeah, those come out and you, the spy cards go in. So the mechanical marquee has a tableau of cards and each turn they flip up a card and based on the crafting symbol says that that's the clearing that it's going to attack in if it has a a presence there. Um, and then. The spy cards you use to look at the tableau and maybe change cards around as far as the order that things come up. Uh, so we played that once, and with the with the marquee, and then once as a three player game. The um, I don't know. I have to play the the mechanical marquee or the cat bot as we called it uh, a little bit. Yeah, we'll have to play it some more. So and I've you know I still have only ever won one game of root. Which is the first game that I, that I played with you, Rich? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, uh, I beat you. Yeah. Well, I, no, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't being snarky or anything. I know. But uh, so yeah. Anyway, I played Root, and then I played uh, Star Wars Legion. I played the skirmish rules, uh, which are pretty much the same. It's played on a smaller board. It's played on a three by three board, and the. Um, there's the cards to set up the battlefield based on, like, the these are the victory conditions, how you can win points. This is the uh, deployment card. And all those are in the skirmish rules. Right, so it's you can get for free. So yes. you just print the cards out yourself. Uh-huh. Um, and so enjoyed that, and we got to talking about maybe doing a campaign mode, um, which yeah. I, I found a... Um, a well, I guess we'll talk about it later, but I found a, a campaign mode available on the Fantasy Flight website or on the message boards. So it may give that a go. So uh, what would you think of the skirmish mode and like the, the especially the, the conditions, the battle battle conditions and victory conditions and all that? What did you think of that? You know, I think you could easily put most of those into your regular rotation of games, like the victory conditions and the um, the... Well, there's the one, the the one that's called Dawn is the kind of the setup. Is it that's, nothing can shoot beyond range two? Yeah, yeah, that would be tough for for the bigger board. It's easier on the small board. Mm -hmm. The one that I really liked, I think it was called War Weariness or something like that. Oh yeah. Where um, basically the commander's courage range was 
I think it was only one in that card. So it makes it makes units a lot more likely to panic. Mm-hmm. I thought that Which, was pretty interesting. That's a rule that we keep forgetting to use. The panic rule. Yeah. That yeah. well, that the um, you can use the commander's courage instead of the units if oh, you're okay. within range. So we'll have to pay more attention to that. So uh, and I I played and and I put Luke out at the front of the uh, deployment zone, and because the last game I played with him, he jumped into the middle of a group of snor- stormtroopers and took them all out in one turn. So I was looking to rinse and repeat this, and it did not go well. So Luke was was on the ropes after the first turn, and then. I had him kind of hunker down behind the objective, and uh, then he went for a charge, and I thought, okay, I can... Because I had it had the card where... The command card where you can attack twice. So I thought, I right. can charge Sounds him into battle. Yes, yeah. Charge him into battle, take this squad of squirm troopers out, and then I can charge again and move up into the... Uh, there was the, the short trooper, the mortar launcher. The, the ballistic toaster uh, that I was aiming for. But uh, it just, I don't know, my dice were not not with me. <laughs> the force was not with me there. <laughs> so in general, do you like the skirmish as compared to the, the full game? Well, it plays a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, you, I can easily get in two games a night in skirmish. Mm, yeah. Which I obviously, I, well, I can't do in a full game. I don't have much time. <laughs> yeah, you know the full games. I don't. What's the the tournament um, time limit? You it's know, like, it's. I want to say it's two hours. Maybe I, we've never managed to finish up a game like do a full six turn game within yeah. that that uh, time frame. Yeah, neither have I. Maybe it's two and a half. Okay. But even so, I don't think I've done one in two and a half either. And, well, and we kind of uh, parsed it out, and you have to take – it's like a minute and a half per order. Yeah, and, and so you know, you the to... meta for the game right now is lots of activations. So if you've got two guys with 10, 11 activations out there, it, it's naturally just going to take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, we've, we've talked locally a good bit about – doing legion tournaments but everybody because we're used to like x-wing tournaments where you can play what like four rounds easy four or five rounds in an yeah. eight in an eight hour period easily but we're like we just What's, is x-wing 90 minutes for a game yeah i think so okay. I, if i remember correctly that's what it's locked in at and um you, you just can't do it with legion i wonder if we did this format if that would work better I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I, I can't. The other nice thing about this format is smaller space. It's, it's three by three, which is the same as X-Way. That's true. That's very true. Um, I know, like, from just looking at, like, whenever we do, like, 40K tournaments and stuff like that, it's literally, like, an all-damn-day thing. There's no time to, like, you know, eat lunch or anything. You're, you know, usually they provide pizza, so you just kind of run over, grab a slice in between turns, and... It just takes for fucking ever, you mm-hmm. know, to do these things. And honestly, by the end of it, I'm like bored with it. And I guess maybe because I'm losing. That's it. I'm losing. <laughs> and so I'm bored with it and I want to go home. And um, yeah, so uh, it, it seems like it, we would uh, 
it would be nicer to speed up. Of course, you know, I always argue that the scale and stuff like that, uh, especially like um, uh, for, for 40K and stuff like that, is not really conducive for uh, tournament play um, in like how you... Uh, how you actually play it, like the 40k scale to me is too big. Uh, the the figures and stuff are, you know, Games Workshop makes really nice models. They're always they always are, but they continually to make bigger and bigger models. They do we they've outgrown a four by six table, especially at the tournament size that they play at. But eh, that's just me. Well, then there's a what is it, Apocalypse? Yeah, which is is a smaller scale. No, it's bigger. It's even bigger, but you're supposed to like cram like uh, three, four tables together and play on it, play like that. Oh, that's what I thought. There was a smaller, smaller scale. Epic. What am I thinking of? Epic, Epic. is what yeah. it was. Now it's Adeptus Titanicus, which is kind of a soft reboot of it. But um, to me, it's just like 40k because there's no. Because they have yet to put any infantry or vehicles or anything into it. Basically, the big titans are just like knights in 40k, and the knights are actually just like space marines. Because they're basically the same size. Oh. But technically, it plays more like Battletech, because like your your knight, your um, your bigger mechs and stuff take damage to different parts of their body, and you could lose like you know uh, a gun or whatever. So, yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. I digress. Mm -hmm. Uh, so one of the things we noticed with uh, Legion is that it's only 500 points. So you have to be real um, thoughtful about what you put in there. And there's not really a lot of room for, like, your fun toys, like the snipers or um, the – I don't know how you'd ever get manage to get a uh, ATST into a game like that. Um, yeah. I found a list I really like, and it's really simple. So it's, it's Luke – three full trooper units with the extra unit and the Z6 yep. and naked tauntauns. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, and Luke's got <laughs> force push and force reflexes. So, and it's that's, that's, that's like, about what I had. That's like 14 points under, so it's you'll even get a good bit with it, but I mm. like that a lot in skirmish. Okay. See, I love that. I absolutely love that and that you have to think about like you know, what am I going to put in here? You know, it's like, oh, this is this is kind of be difficult. You know, what what am I going to put in here? I absolutely love that idea. And eh, I, I wish it was more like that. I mean, I, know, I, I guess it would be a, the, the problem would still be there with like, um, you know, list building. But to me, just not as bad. Uh, anyway. Yeah. List building is a fun thing to do as you're doing something else. Like when I'm working on like. Well, you know, what if I did this and this, and and how would this work, and you know, what would this unit be for? And I remember doing that a lot yeah. with playing the old clicky base mech warrior. Just playing around on tabletop admiral. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so then I played some uh, some shipboard shuffleboard, which I mean, that's I don't know, I guess that's a game. Is that like the whitest sport ever? Would you say <laughs> the whitest game ever? I think. I just yeah. think old white people. Anytime I think of shuffleboard, not that I would ever turn down an opportunity to play it, I just that's what my mind goes to is old white people. So I happen to notice that in Chicago there is a shuffleboard club. So it's like a bar, but you play shuffleboard there. And I was there was a uh, 
some YouTube video, I think, where the the owner had this this uh, stairway that went up to the to the Lido deck of their building, and he well we have this this giant blank wall. What can we do with this? So they bought as many Billy Big Mouth uh, the the bass plaque, the singing bass, and they have them all synchronized. So there's like like sixty uh, Billy Big Mouth bass sculptures on the wall and they all sing <laughs> in unison i will see if i can find that um but anyway i played shuffleboard and then i've been really enjoying fallout 4 on uh xbox which is not a board game but i still like it no it's okay yeah it's uh i yeah that we um recommended that did you get it based on our recommendation or i know we talked about it no i yeah. i that was a, a Christmas gift from me to me. Ah, okay. I got <laughs> that it. I found I, at the at the used game store. I got that based on your recommendation, but I haven't played it yet. I've been playing Fallen Order instead, which is really good. Oh my gosh, me too. I swear. It's <laughs> look, it's everything I can do to like not play it while you guys are talking. Like to just kind of be over here. I I I knew I would like it. I waited I bought it cheaper. I, um, you know, any big game like that that gets a release around the holidays, over the weeks there'll be a sale, and I think I I ended up picking up the collector's edition, which retailed for sixty nine. I picked it up for forty nine. Uh, Walmart or somebody put it on, online, whoever put it on sale, and so I knew I wanted to play it. I did not know I would enjoy it as much as I am enjoying it. I really, really dig it and i'm working really hard to 100 percent my planets now getting all the secrets <laughs> and exploring them all you know i think i'm close ish to the end but yeah i'm just stopping and getting all the little extra doodads and whatnot yeah i'm still pretty early in but i'm enjoying it i, I love I, I mean i've got it set on the low setting and i just button mash my way through every single single fight just randomly hitting it my friend that plays fighting games it drives him crazy you know, because yeah. he'll get into it. You know, he'll get it. You know, he'll pay attention to all these different moves and stuff you can do and whatever. I don't. I just button mash. So yeah, <laughs> freaking love that game. Um. So oh, is it my turn? It is. It is my turn. So um, guys, have y'all ever heard of this game called Brave Little Belgium? <laughs> That's the one that Tom Vassell's in love with, right? I think so. <laughs> Didn't he write it? Did he? Is he yeah. the guy that did that? No. I guarantee I have a one-of-a-kind copy of that game. Ah, I think so. <laughs> so I, I forgot, what did you have him do? Geek for a million dollars. You had him sign it, right? <laughs> yeah. I had what did he say on it? I copy a bit, Brave Little Belgium. He did, he did like, point at, you know, the, the guys that, that wrote it um, and was like, these these guys are great or what, what yeah. you, something like that. The, you know. I think it says, this is great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or he is yeah. great. Yeah, it's something like that. So, but yeah, it's <laughs> anyway. So is this the first time you played it? Adam? Yes, it is. As, okay. mu as much as we talked about it, and I'm reasonably sure I'm the first person to bring it to our attention, to be like, "Hey guys, I heard about this," and you know, I don't know. Not that you know it matters who did, but we've kind of ran with it, and it's been a we've talked about it a whole lot. <laughs> but um, yeah. I finally played it. My friend Chris was like, "Hey, uh, do you want to play this before I forget how to play it?" And I'm like, "Sure, I'll I'll make a point 
I'll go out there to your house and we'll play it. And uh, yeah, I really dug it. I committed, I think, up to three atrocities. And that was just in one roll. In one <laughs> roll, three atrocities. And then all the ones after that, uh, I didn't. There, there were no atrocities. So I stayed there, and it ended up being a German victory because I got beyond the line and I smashed the two um, the forts that you had to do. I am. I gotta say, uh, I I'm in love with the chip pool mechanic in that game. That's yeah. I think that's my favorite war game mechanic. I mean, there's a lot of different mechanics out there, but I really like chip pool games. <laughs> I love also how voice detects mishears me when I do a Twitter post or whatever, and does it as shit Paul. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know what that's about. Shit Paul. You know. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it, it caused me to kind of like, well, I want to know more about what is this, you know, this fantastic chip pool system that was invented for this game. And, um, yeah, and I'll link this in the show notes. Uh, there's a lot. There's 76 pages on BoardGameGeek that list chip pool. Now, that being said, I was like, okay, well, what are some I can talk about? I'm going to go in here and sort it by rank and blah, blah, blah. Like, they have FAB the Bulge on here. I used I've used to own that game and I actually played it a few times. Um, it does not have a chip pool system, and also like it has a uh, battle cry uh, not battle cry battle masters on here. I <laughs> owned that and played it a million times uh, growing up. It's not chip pool, so I question some of that at, at there. Uh, yeah, some of these like even downtown, you you do pull shit. But I wouldn't consider that a chip pool game because you're not pulling chips for activation. Each player takes turn activating, and then they pull a chip to see how many units they activate. So they are pulling chips, but the the chips aren't determining who activates. So I don't know. It's 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 kind of squirrely. Yeah, I, th I think I'm gonna do some more research on it. I spent way too much time researching OSR games this afternoon. That whole other thing. Um, because I'm, I'm at my friend's house, and he's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, what is this? And it was the, um, the what is that D&D &D, uh, rule set for 1.0? Psych, psych, the Cyclopedia? You know what I'm talking about? The D&D &D Cyclopedia? No. Mm -mm. I don't know what you're talking about. It's, um, I'll link it in the show notes. It's, um, as I understand it, it is like all you need uh, for, yeah, it's the basic rules. It's just the cyclopedia, it's the D&D uh, &D basic rules. It's, um, it was published in 91, according to this. As I understand it, this is supposed to be like the first edition D&D &D rules. Like, that's, that's it. Um before second edition but i mean i don't know much about that but yeah anyway it's very kind of uh old school renaissance type stuff you know and so anyway so i just kind of went on a deep dive with that stuff mm. but yeah i want to figure out what games play like brave, brave little belgium whereas the main component of the game is um chip pull so you know yeah i mean i can recommend some that i've played recently uh a victory lost is a good one um, wait, wait, wait. That one sounds familiar to me. Is that a GMT yeah, game? Yeah, because I talked about it yes, a couple yes. months ago. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, A Victory Loss, it's a good one. That's um, that's an Eastern Front World War II game. Uh, if you want 
Civil War, there's actually a whole system called the, I think it's called the Broken Sword System. So it's like Longstreet Attacks, and um, there's the the one that I played a couple months ago in the Ozarks, uh, Thunder in the Ozarks. Um, that whole system, Broken Swords, is chit pull. And then they took, um, I think that same system also has a, uh, an 1870 game called At Any Cost Mets. That's a really, really good game. I would highly recommend that. That's a chit pull game as well. So, But the whole Broken Sword system is U.S. Civil War chit pull games. I remember, yeah, I think I ended up buying uh, At Any Cost Mets. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, come on, Board Game Geek, you're useless. <laughs> All it does, it yeah, okay. This, now, see, this is what I would look for when you look this up, and I'll have this in share notes. It actually says, like, mecha- uh, mechanisms, chit pull, and hexagon grid. That's what I want. And there it is, blind swords system. Blind swords, okay. Is, yes, is what it's it. called. Yeah. That's Duel of Eagles, which is another Franco-Prussian War. Stonewall sword, Thunder in the Ozarks, yep. Longstreet attacks, and any cost Mets, Kernstown? Yeah, yeah, that's another one. Oh, Civil War, yeah. Civil War system. See, there's four of these are done by Revolution Games. And uh, Duel of Eagles was Compass, White Dog. They're all done by H. Lutman? Herman Lutman. Herman Lutman. We should get get him on here and talk about stuff. You know, I say that, and then, you know, people will be like, oh, you didn't hear he died last year. <laughs> you know, or whatever. It's like, oh, he's been dead since 1985. You know, it's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. No, but no, he I, he appears to be alive. And yeah, I'm getting to talk about this chip pull system thing. Absolutely, so, I'd love to talk about it. It's like, were you seriously like eating a bag of chips, and you were like, you know what, I could make this into a war game. I just reach in here, I don't know what I got. Be, no, 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 not a bag of chips, but like... So you've got half a bag of Doritos and half a bag of uh, Pringles, and you dump them into the same bag, and you pull, and you see what you get. No, no, no. You go to the gas station, and you buy a bag of Chex Mix. And so you reach in there, and you don't know if you're going to get a nasty pretzel or any of the other stuff that's good. <laughs> every time Nasty I eat, pretzel? Yes. Ugh, every, time I eat, every time I eat those, I, the pretzels go right out the window. Pretzels <laughs> are gross. Anyway. So, ah, that's what you tune in for. This is what you left. This is what you, uh, you know, left meeples and miniatures for us. Come hear us talk about pretzels being bad, right? Anyway, no. What else are they gonna listen to? Uh, History on the table. Yeah, it could, good. Is there any pretzel talk going on over there? Can I get pretzels <laughs> in St. Louis? Not, damn it, not St. Louis, Kansas City. I don't well, know why do I get those confused. We do have pretzels in St. Louis. You got to go to Gus's. Okay. But I did manage to play another game. And this is crazy. This is Adam, in a week, has played two board games. This is insane. Write this down. The next thing I played was Undaunted Normandy. He was like, hey, have you got a, you know, got time to play this? It's really quick. And uh, i got to say, I really dug this game a lot. It's uh, cheap. I think MSRP on it is like 40 bucks. This is from Osprey Games. What I really liked was um, when you put your map together, you're actually building a hex, sort of. It's like you put one tile down. It's the brick pattern, right? Yeah, Yeah. it's it's the brick pattern hex, and so that was neat. Um, I like the fact that you didn't have to worry about line of sight. You can shoot everything. The modifiers are listed on the board and on your card. It's also a deck-building game which uh, I thought was super neat, but 
granted, I have not played a deck building game in probably 10 years. So I was like, ooh, this is neat. Did they invent this? No, 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 no. This is because he was like, no, this is just like, um, what's that super popular one? That Dominion. Dominion. Yes, Dominion? he was like, he was uh-huh. like, no, no, no. He was like, you know, he just blah blah blah, like like you do in Dominion. So you build your map, you put your little pogs down. I can't call them anything else uh, on the table, and <laughs> um, you move them around, and you you have a goal. Each side has a goal to do, and you know, basically it was victory points, and yeah. I really dug it and would really like to play it again and would really hope that, um, you know, a a big scenario book comes out for it. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, Looking on BoardGameGeek, I see where they're doing Undaunted North Africa this year. So that's really cool. I think I will pre-order that. uh, Yeah. this, This cover art looks really familiar. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, I've talked about it. I was talking about how I was tempted to buy it because my daughter loves deck builders. And mm, I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, if combine a deck builder with a war game, it might be something we could play together. There's another one out there. It's an older game. Um, it's called A Few Acres of Snow. And I haven't played that one either, but that's also a, a deck builder war game. Mm. Wait a minute. Is that a Martin Wallace game? No, no, no. Is it? Uh... It's. I think it's, yeah. A few, it comes from 2011, and Morgan, yes, Martin Wallace, yes. Okay. Um, I have a friend, and I, I won't mention his name in case he gets embarrassed or something. Is at one time was the biggest Martin Wallace fan ever. So, and uh, he has this game and pretty much every other Martin Wallace game that you know in his house. So, um, yeah, this is a day. Okay, I'll try to toss this on the list then uh, to play. Uh, next time I see him, because I'm pretty sure I've heard him talk about it before. So that's kind of neat, just a deck building. Um, of course there are the ones that are pure deck builders. Uh, what is that um Korean game? Uh, well it's the war in Korea that is. Um, from is it GMT? Damn it, I can't think of it. Talking about deck building that are still war games? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about or, that. Or just it's it is a it is a military themed deck builder or just cards. Um, yeah, I don't know about that. Was one. It, I haven't heard of that. What about Warfighter from uh, DVG? Isn't that a card game? Yeah, I don't know if I call that a deck builder though. I think that's I think that's more like a deck construction where you you know you you start off with a certain deck. Deck builders are more like you start with a generic deck and you try to improve it over the course of the game. Yeah, with this one, that's that's what it is. You start out with like just like four cards, and you know. Yeah, and yeah, just, that's. <clears throat> and you, yeah, just go from there. And so, uh, yeah. Damn it, I'm stalling trying to figure out what this damn game is. <sighs> Luckily, I can edit this out. Yeah, it's not next war career. Dad, come it. I can, yeah, I can see. Korea yeah, that's it. It's not. Um... <laughs> I could see the cover in my mind. I, I remember uh, at Dice Tower Con, it was on the Ding and Dent thing. Oh, man. Huh. I cannot think of what game from GMT is uh, done in Korea. <sighs> Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe it's not GMT. I think that's a valid possibility. It's, uh, what's the other big company? Not Compass, but 
There's, G if there's GMT, Compass, and what's the other big war game company? Would you say? Uh, Decision Games? Uh, maybe. Pretty big. All right, I'm, I'm bogging down the show. We'll move on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I thought it was cool, and uh, I'll have a, the chip pool system linked in the show notes. Rich, what have you been playing? So I played a game, and Roy, this one's probably right up your alley. I played this on New Year's Eve, a game called Anomia. Have you guys okay. heard of this? No. So it was, it comes in a tiny little box. The box is like four by four or something like that. Um, and it's just, it's just a couple decks of cards, maybe one deck of cards, now that I think of it. Um, but everybody, every card has like a word and a symbol. So they say like actor and have a triangle on it. And you put down your card in front of you. Um, well, you, you take from the deck and put the card in front of you. And then everybody at the same time, if they match that symbol, has to say something that matches the category of the symbol that they're matching. So triangle and actor, and somebody else has triangle and river. It's a race to see if they can say Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt before I can say Mississippi. Um, and whoever says it first wins the card. And whoever has the most cards at the end wins the game. Um, and what's really funny is, so if no one says it, or, well, if someone, if it matches, you pause until someone does say it. But if no one has that symbol, then you just make a stack of cards. And then, so when you, so when someone else loses it, when you lose a battle or whatever, and you have to give that card to someone, the next card is instantly in play. So you can get long chains where everybody's looking at the symbols. It's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, you can learn to play in 20 seconds. And um, I guess my only criticism of it was that it doesn't have a whole lot of replayability just because there weren't that many cards in there. I don't know if there's like an expansion or a bigger deck or something, but if it had more cards, it would be more replayable. But after you play it twice, you kind of already have the categories in your head. So it's like, oh, that one says river, and I've already thought of a river. It's more fun when you see something brand new and you have to think of something at, at the, the moment. Mm. Right. But it was a lot of fun. It was a great New Year's Eve game. Fields of Fire. That was the game I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Yeah, Fields of Fire is not a deck builder either. But it is cards, though, right? It's just cards. So it is cards, uh, but the cards make up the terrain and then are also used for the randomization. So the card, the deck of cards take the place of dice in that game. Oh, okay. And they also make up the terrain itself. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but that game was Anomia. And then yesterday, I got to play an 18xx game for the first time, uh, which, if you're not familiar with 18xx games, they are, uh, they're called that because they all, as far as I know, they all take place in the 19th century and they're all named after the year they take place in. So this one was 1870. There are, I don't know, probably... The X is not for explicit. No, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> 18 triple X is a whole different thing. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, 1870 obviously takes place in 1870. Um, but there's at least a dozen, maybe dozens of these games out there that I wouldn't be surprised that they have almost every year taken. And they take place all over the world. They all have common themes, but obviously different geography and slightly different rule sets. Uh, people that are into 18xx games are really into them, and they end up, you know, they know every little difference in every single one. Would you this say those people first... are weird? 
No, not at all. Um, <laughs> they are around me. I mean, honestly, well, I mean, there could be a Venn diagram there, but... <laughs> ah, yep. Uh, I will say that the game itself, I can see why people really get into it. I've only played it once. I can't compare it to any other 18xx game, but 1870 was really, really good, and I want to play it again. Um, so basically, the premise of the game is you play Railroad Barons. So you are trying to both build railroads and start railroad companies. Um, but sort of the, the, the trick of the game is that you are buying stock in your own companies, hopefully enough to allow you to have a command and interest in the company, but also stock in other people's companies as well. So when they make money, you make money. You know, I own 20 percent of your company. So every time you uh, you make money, you know, I get a nice little uh, piece of the pie. So. At the end of the game, the score is just the value of your cash plus the value of all your stocks. Um, and that's sort of the other trick of the game is there's a, I think it's a little different for every game, but there's basically a, a board that shows what the prices of stocks are for each company. And there's ways you can manipulate the stock, make it go up, make it go down um, in different ways, depending on whether you're paying out for um, your, your to your stock owners or whether you're withholding the money. Sometimes you have to withhold the money because you need to buy better trains because your old ones are about to go obsolete. There's, I mean, it's a heavy game, mm -hmm. but it wasn't that hard to learn. I would say if you know someone that knows the game well, they can teach it to you and you can play it um, in a short amount of time. Well, it, again, it depends on the game. We started at 10 o'clock yesterday. There was a little bit of setup time. We finished about 6.30. So we went about eight and a half hours. Um, and I had never played it before, so I learned it in that time. I was obviously going slow because, you know, I had to ask, well, can I do this? What is the rule on this? Stuff like that. If we played it again, it's probably a, a six to seven hour game. Um, but proof of the fact that you can learn the game quickly, I won the game. So, mm -hmm. uh Maybe it was beginner's luck. I have no idea. Maybe they took it easy on me because I was the beginner. But I think I should just stop playing and retire as the all-time champion. <laughs> but that so, said, I'm definitely going to want to play this again. In fact, I'm looking at um, a, a different version of it, 1846, which I think is a little quicker playing. And I might I might pick that one up and introduce that to some people. The on Thursdays at my FLGS is their game night that the, where it's just kind of open gaming and there's yeah. like I think every Thursday there's there's a core group of maybe three dudes and there's there's a couple more that come in and out and they that's all they play is these eighteen double X games and so I keep do they do they start in the evening yeah they, wow I don't know how you would do that I mean so they'll start at like six o'clock and they'll go to one. Yeah, I mean you'd have to. Yeah. Your game your game store is open till one on a Thursday. Well, yeah, they basically they just you know the the one the well one of the 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 eighteen double X uh, players is the owner. Oh, okay. Well, so he can just you know yeah. he can lock up behind him. It was actually but, kind of funny yesterday because we're at Miniature Market. That's where our monthly game day is for St. Louis War Gamers, and. Um, we got there at 10 when they opened. We played all day. We played till about 6.30. But we had a snowstorm coming in yesterday. I mean, mm -hmm. it wasn't crazy, but we got in a couple inches. By the time we left at 6.30, we were the only people in the store. <laughs> there was, like, no one there because everyone's afraid of the snow here. And it's 
It was kind of weird being <sighs> in the market all by ourselves. <laughs> I went to Costco Saturday morning, and it was a ghost town, which is yeah. usually places <laughs> mobbed then. Uh, Rich, I will say, if you're looking for 18xx uh, recommendations, um, uh, ask, uh, was it Board Game Skunk Works on Twitter? Yeah. yeah he's, he's a friend of yours, right? Yeah, he's really, okay. really into 18xx games. So. Yeah. I think I'm going to get 1846. Part of the reason I liked 1870 so much is because of the geography. It takes place right here. I mean, it's, it's basically the board goes... Um, from Illinois to Kansas, down to Texas, and over to New Orleans. So that's the board, which, you know, it's not the most important thing, but I, it's more enjoyable for me when I am playing with more with geography that I know. And the railroad that I owned, one of them was actually the, the Missouri-Kansas-Texas, which is called the Katy, um, which is no longer in existence, but is now a bike trail, which I rode a few years ago, the, the whole length of it, so... She got the Katie. Yeah, that's what's that? Mule to ride. Yeah, yeah, rails to trails, they call it. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. He he was like, oh, oh I was she, thinking about the Blues Brothers. Yeah, she oh, called the Katie. Oh. I wonder if that's the same thing. Yeah, I think so. Probably not. Yeah. No. <laughs> I like that. I think so. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> One well, of those is probably correct. One way or well, another, we're absolutely it positive. Train. I don't think they were talking about the bike trail. Yeah. So. I don't know when the when the Missouri Kansas Texas railway went out of existence. I have no idea. I just know that now their old railroad is is a bike trail. So yeah, we did uh, the rails to trails thing in Mississippi as well, and it it really made some nice biking paths. Like I'm talking yeah. one of them that I used to ride on. Not I didn't do the whole thing, but I think it was like thirty something miles was the total amount. And uh, yeah, yeah, just neat. yeah. The Katy Trail is 237 miles long. So, good lord! Wow. Yeah. Uh, so another game I got to play is U.S. Civil War. We started our that's a GMT game. It's actually called the U.S. Civil War, um, and you can guess what it's about. We started up the full campaign last week. The three of us, uh, one of us is playing the South, the other two are dividing the North. So, we played most of 1861. I think we're about to start winter. Um, so, so far, so good. Uh, not a whole lot of movement in the East. I'm playing the, the, the West, which, you know, West at that time meant everything from, you know, the, the Alleghenies over to the Mississippi River and also the Trans-Mississippi Theater, which is basically Missouri, Arkansas, Texas. Um, so I'm playing those two theaters on the North, and I'm doing pretty well, but there's still a lot of game to go. I'm looking forward to playing the full campaign. It's uh, It's something it's 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 going to be a long one but that's that's the benefit of having a space where you can just leave the game out for a long time so that was the u.s civil war and then i also got to play star wars legion i've played i played quite a bit over the last month thankfully with my daughter she's uh she's really into it we're only playing skirmish only because i don't really have enough rebels for two full armies and she just wants to keep playing with me. She's not interested in playing with any while. So I've been playing a lot of skirmish lately as well, Roy. And I like it quite a bit. Um, I, I would like to see some more cards and victory conditions and all that come out. But what is out already, I'm enjoying. Mm-hmm. And then I also got to play a game of Advanced Squad later, which is nice. Uh, playing that online with a friend. Uh, we played about half of a Pacific scenario. Um, it's a pretty interesting one. Japanese versus Chinese. 
I think it takes place in Shanghai. So it's a it's a PTO scenario that takes place in an urban setting. Um, pretty interesting. We've played about half of it. I think we're going to finish up next week. You know, I've been thinking lately what makes ASL so interesting, compelling, you know, whatever. And I think it is the staggering amount of scenarios that are available. Yeah. I mean, there's thousands, you know, and you just, I can't think of another game system that is like that. That you could literally play like 10, 10 different scenarios a day till the day you die and not play them right. all, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no way I could ever play everything. I'd probably never played everything that I have, much less everything that is available. So, hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I think I would get way into it if I had like one, just, I need just like one person in my area that, that is always like, Hey man. Let's play. Let's play. What, which scenario we're playing this week or whatever. Yeah. I, I think I'd be uh, more, more out to actually read the rules. But instead, what I do is when I go to places like Historic Fest in Kansas City, I will play some. So there you go. <clears throat> so you're going? You're I, making a commitment? Not yet. <laughs> I did buy I did buy a, uh, a ticket to, uh, or whatever to get me in the door. But I haven't, I haven't got a hotel room yet. So when I get a hotel room, that's, that's, that'll yeah. be it. I'm doing Airbnb. So Well, I wanted to be like right next to the um, <clears throat> the convention center so I could do late-night gaming and not have to worry about Uber, you know, and just, yeah. Because, yeah. like, yeah, usually, like, when I went to Gen Con, man, I spent, like, you know, $500 or more on Uber alone. You know, it was ridiculous. So I, I want to be close. Anyway. So what's on your? We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, what's on your radar? The first thing I had was um, this uh, nice geek uh, <clears throat> board game geek list on um, the Crimean War, which takes place between 1853 and 1856. This is the um, the uh, I can edit this out. <laughs> this is the conflict that brought us the poem the charge of the light brigade so and uh i kind of just tossed it on here i was curious to see richard if you had heard of any of these or played anything in your i've never played any of these games um it's not not a war i mean i'm not that i'm uninterested in it but it's never been something i've been looking for a game on so what made you want to look this one up uh i can't remember what got me on this tangent or Somebody said something, and I was like, what is that? And then I looked, and then, like, well, I wonder if they made a board game on that. And, yeah. Anyway, there's not a lot available. I don't really think any major releases either. It's mostly kind of just a couple of battles, you know, here or there. Uh, that's in a box set with some other stuff. Or just magazine games. It's kind of like where it is. So, I think, like, strategy and tactics yeah, and stuff. Yeah, S&T has one out there. Yeah, so... Just gonna toss it on here. Maybe you know, hey, if you know of one that's awesome or whatever, just drop me a line at chanceofgaming at gmail dot com. So anyway. yeah, there's a lot of board geek geek lists of of that <laughs> type of thing. Like if you're interested in a particular war, you can look it up. I was looking one up not too long ago just for you know battles that battles and wars that took place in Hungary, and so I've I've subscribed to that geek list as well. Uh, <laughs> I'm probably gonna go there in about a year and a half, and I really want to find a gaming store in Hungary where I can buy a war game in Hungarian. So 
um, learning to speak the language. And even if I even if I don't actually speak it well enough to play the game in Hungarian, I think it'd be cool just to have one. So, hmm. Hungarian is that a, is that a Romance language? Like Romanian? it is not. It's okay. it's closer to like Finnish actually. Oh, that's yeah. uh that's where Elvish came from, I think, isn't it? Could didn't, be. Didn't yeah. Tolkien take take Elvish from Finnish? I don't know. I, okay. I know he was. Uh, I know he was a, a linguist or uh, linguist, but I don't know uh, what came from what. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I, that I do not know. So <laughs> as to which one, but yeah, what made you get a hungry? Of all places. That's where my family's from. Uh, I mean, three gener, three, four. Let's see. Three or four generations out, but that's where they're from. So my mom and I are going to go there next year. Oh. So it's not visit, just for the gulag. Visit, visit the old country, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the next one we had was something we talked about, you know, a good bit. That uh, I was wanted to talk about Death Ride Kursk. Again, you know, this is the one with the big fancy edition. I just wanted oh, to, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> to mention that uh, there actually is, there's, you can buy the individual games, and there actually is a what they recommend as a starter for the um, the actual game, and that is um, is it Death Ride Halfed Ridge? Is I believe so. It's a standalone game that it says plays fast in a few hours, and it is focuses, <laughs> only a war game could say that. <laughs> right on tactical level combat maneuver during Operation Battle X prior to the Crusader operation that lifted the seas of Tobruk. And so, uh, yeah, was this the game that was like a thousand dollars and came in a Footlocker? Oh, it's like two, yeah, twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay, yes. plus yeah. plus shipping. <laughs> yeah, and you have to put something like 30% down before they'll even print it for you because they don't have copies of it sitting around. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, it would be funny. I mean, I guess they just like, okay, let's go buy the Foot Locker and then they then they yeah. stuff it full of this. And it says it comes with like some kind of... Uh... Pre-print a thousand of them. Have them sitting in a warehouse. <laughs> uh, it comes with memorabilia. German Army memorabilia or something was in there. Anyway, I just I just thought it was kind of interesting um, that they have an introductory thing. and But the base game for it is still $55. With one... Uh, sorry, two 11 by 17 color map sections... And an order about uh, battle and 200 double-sided counters. I don't know if that's good or bad for like a total, you know, for fifty-five dollars. I mean, I think that's that's not bad. It's it's not great. I mean, it's not an amazing price, but it's not terrible. I guess for this is a small company, so yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, pursuant to a previous discussion that we've had, for twenty-five hundred dollars, do you also get a pair of tweezers? <laughs> no, you should. Some fancy <laughs> gold plated. Yeah, yeah. Some I think really they sent a guy ones. over to move the stacks around for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That should be a thing. Some of you, Roderick. Fingers. <laughs> I would like to move to hex two seventeen. <laughs> you can't do that, sir. Shut up! It's not your place to tell me. Richard, to tell me if he notices. <sighs> The next thing we had was a History of Deluxe ASL. And I threw this on here to see what you knew of this, uh, Richard, if you knew anything. It was a Deluxe ASL was a bigger hex version of Advanced Squad Leader. 
Yes, I got to play Deluxe ASL one time. Um, you can play the regular scenarios just on the big maps. I mean, really, you know, if, if you take the ASL maps and reprint them and blow them up to whatever percentage they need to be, you can basically play Deluxe ASL that way. As far as I know, there's no different rules or anything. It's just a much bigger map, which is nice um, for the same reason that we were just talking about. You know, you don't necessarily need tweezers. You can, you know, have have things uh, multiple things in a hex without having to stack them up. And mm -hmm. sometimes that's useful in ASL, particularly like if you've got a guy with a machine gun or something and the machine gun gets ready to fire, but he hasn't fired yet. There, there's rules as to who can take more shots and when they can take them and stuff like that. So sometimes it's useful to have multiple stacks in the same hex. Um, also, if one group is demoralized and another group is not, then again, multiple stacks is useful and that's really easy to do in deluxe asl and in regular asl with the small hexes you know just got to make one big stack of counters and lift them up and see what's underneath so it's nice um i mean really the big thing is i mean you can kind of do it yourself just by reprinting the maps yourself if you want to do that do you ever do like uh proxy a hex as in like i'm just going to put this this colored chip here yeah and I've, everything I've never, that's off the board is kind of yeah go ahead i've never done that in asl um there are other games that you do that quite in fact u.s civil war does that um u.s civil war each each player has a card with basically divided into four sections and you've got the army of the pacific or not pacific the army of the potomac the army of north tennessee the army of blah 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 there's four for each player and you can take your entire stack put it on that card and then just put a single counter on the map. Mm, okay. But in ASL, I mean, it, there's nothing stopping you from doing that, but I've never done that. Okay. Now I will say that, um, <clears throat> you know, with the, the, uh, bigger hexes and stuff, would you say it gives you some Lebensraum? Yes. Yeah. Definitely gives you more living space. Da -dum -tsh. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Anyway, uh, the next thing we had was a Kickstarter. This is Casting the Runes, a RPG on Kickstarter based on the works of M.R. James. And I just wanted to see if you guys were familiar with M.R. James. No. Not at all, no. He, uh, gosh, I, I just know him from his stories, and I'm afraid I am not uh, his biographer, so... Um, as I know, because like the BBC has turned like a bunch of his uh, short stories and whatnot into uh, radio plays and what was called like a ghost story for Christmas, where you know they do a little, it's basically like a made-for-TV movie kind of thing, and uh, yeah, and uh, I just I've always dug him simply based on that, and I've read. Does he write like Lovecraft type? Yeah, stuff, I was going to say he's a contemporary of Lovecraft. Yeah. Um, yeah, except his is, like, more ghost stuff than, like, okay. you know, the whole weird space, you know, stuff I can't explain that drives me crazy. It's more like, you know, a turn yeah, of the screw. Yeah, I like that more, yeah. actually. And, uh, let's see, they have 21 days to go as a, we record this podcast. Um, they want, okay. 12, 
088 for some reason. Yeah, and then uh, well, I think it's converted. It's Canadian, it's, it's Canadian yeah. Oh, okay. um, and they've received ten thousand, ten thousand two hundred seventeen, right now. So I mean, yeah, your freedom dollars will go a little far. I may actually back this. I mean, I absolutely should at the very least back it at the PDF level. Um, the only thing that's kind of stopping me from doing um, the the print version, like I would just do the standard, because I'm cheap and um, I hate it when uh, Kickstarters do this. They use uh, Drive Through RPGs uh, print on demand service. That's how you actually end up getting it, and uh, I've just. Um, it, usually, to me, it's not worth what you pay. Like, here, for the $40 Canadian is what I would need to get the standard version. And then I would actually have to pay shipping, so I'm at, like, 31 American plus shipping. I don't believe, like, drive through RPGs, print-on-demand is worth it. I mean, it's, to, it's a step down from Lulu quality. If you guys have ever had anything printed on lulu.com. No. No. Okay. It's it's where a lot of you know uh it's where other like poets and guys that do their own RPG or whatever you know will have it over there, or sometimes it'll be like out of print books, and uh, yeah, I definitely would say drive through RPGs is is a step down in that. I mean, it's still readable, playable, all that stuff. I just it's not worth that much in my opinion. I went to Staples today with a. I was looking maybe to get a copy of Feast of Legends printed, the the Wendy's RPG. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and I just about choked on my gum, and I wasn't even chewing gum, when they told me <laughs> that for the – it was, was a 96-page PDF to get it uh, double-sided printed, full color, and bound in their cheapest binding was 60 bucks. <laughs> I, I said, no, I mean, I was – I'm thinking more like $11. On the high God. side. Wow. So sixty bucks. Yeah. And and the 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 I don't know the the copyist the whatever the print person said well if you get it in uh, black and white it's seventeen dollars. Hmm. I just I that blew my hair back that they wanted sixty bucks for that. Uh yeah I I so completely agree. Is will Lulu will they print a copy of it? Um, or there's some more in bulk, is what there is. No, what no, you... they don't do bulk. They are print on demand, but I'm not sure if you if they give you an option to upload. Yeah, I think they do because it's create, publish, and sell your book for free. Basically, is okay. what it is. So there are uh, online printing places, but I have no idea if they're any cheaper. I mean, once you factor in shipping too, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, you could certainly try it. It's lulu.com. And yep. um, it's I've been impressed with the uh, the the what I what little bit I've gotten from them. So you know, so anyway, there you go. Uh, the next thing so, we had, uh, you were saying? Oh, I was just saying. Uh, needless to say, I did not spend sixty bucks. Yes. <laughs> but let me know if you actually get it done from uh, Lulu. I'd be curious to see what you okay. think of it. Yeah. So the next thing we have on the list is Wings of the Motherland. Are you familiar with this one at all, Richard? I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. It's the Fighting Wings game system on the Russian front. And 
Boy, I like the original title of this game, the re-implement of the game Whistling Death. Whistling Death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's another game. I have no idea if it's the same system or related to this, but it's another a plane game. I think this one's in Vietnam. It's called The Speed of Heat. Speed the, of Heat. The Speed <laughs> of Heat, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's like, hey, guys, let's come up with a name for this. And like, well, I'm thinking... Um... The speed of heat. Oh yeah, it's the same guy. The same guy did oh, okay. this. Yeah, yeah, I thought it might be. Yeah, yeah. It look, looks like he's done a plane game for like pretty much just about every uh, conflict up to a point. Yeah, speed of heat actually looks kind of cool. Got that F four Phantom on the uh, the cover, and it was published in '92. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> and this guy is J D Webster. Whomever that might be. J.D. Webster. So what brought this to your attention? Seems like, um... Is this guy gonna be at a Historic Fest? Something like that. I can't remember. I should probably put notes down on, like, what made me actually get over <laughs> here. What rabbit hole was I down when yeah. th this was the shiny object that distracted me? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think this guy's gonna be at Historic Fest. I do think some guys that are going to be at another con are going to play the speed of heat which made me think of that so yeah, yeah this looks cool though I it, mean, could have, it could have been something mentioned in the um in in the interview and i was just like what is that let me, let me look that <laughs> yeah. up yeah anyway on to mega mech who put mega mech on here i put that on there uh mitch told me to tell you guys about this um you know you sent the, the battle tech game and i know you've talked about battle tech before so mm -hmm. I downloaded this, haven't had a chance to try it out yet, but apparently it's a, I mean, you can, you can play Battletech on your computer, you can play multiplayer online or whatever, and uh, it's, it's got all the rules built in it and everything. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's what we we had for like ever. And look, uh, gosh, the yeah, it's got an old school look to it for sure. I mean, it looks like you know, kind of like a John Tiller game or something, except it's BattleTech. The history of that, uh, I think it came out in like yeah, like early two thousands, and we yeah. were like, oh my gosh, this is we can finally play BattleTech, you know, on <laughs> on the computer. This is great. Yeah, uh, it's just you know they haven't really updated the graphics or whatever but yeah you're absolutely right it plays perfectly you know perfectly like Battletech you know like I said I highly recommend the one on Steam which is really fancy graphics and animations and shit but you know there you go anyway yeah that's another one I'm hoping to play with my daughter this week before she goes back is Battletech so I think she'll like it yeah and uh the next thing we have is the Siege of Lothal yeah, so the uh, I was looking for the Star Wars Legion campaign stuff, and there this a uh, fan made thing called the Siege of Lothal, and um, it is based on the Corellian conflict, and uh, it's I mean it looks pretty awesome, um, and it's a it's a campaign mode for playing Star Wars Legion. Um, so there's uh, there's links on this uh, on the the Fantasy Flight message board. And you can get the rule book, you can get the maps, and uh, I've never played a, a campaign like a like an ongoing campaign miniature game before, but I think I want to give this a try with uh, my friend Dana. Mm, okay, I wonder how long. So is it still player versus player? It's not a co-op or anything like that. No. Okay. No, and it, it will support up to six players. Oh wow! Too. Um, the uh, 
the local Star Wars Legion guys, the guy that re- sort of runs their group here, he's got a YouTube channel, um, mm-hmm. and and he just started something. I don't know any details about it, but he's calling it Battle for the Galaxy Campaign. So maybe it's something like this. I don't know. Um, um, okay. I need to look into it and see exactly what it is, but I think they're doing something similar to this. And Rich, there was something that you were mentioned quite a while ago, and it's, I thought it was called Infinite Empire, but that's not quite a, what it was. It was far as like, uh, so it's kind of lore. It's Star Wars lore, and I thought maybe that there was kind of a campaign mode in that. Do you remember what that was? Um, is is this for the RPG or is this something else? It's well, I mentioned talking about uh, the building a history for my particular figures so like one of my one of my wookies is named the ghost and i you know i haven't i just thought well he kind of looks like a ghost so i'm gonna put it give a name to him no i don't remember that actually. okay okay well never mind then (laughs) i'll I'll keep looking i do wonder like how long it'll be before they put out an official campaign system oh yeah yeah, they have campaigns for Armada and X-Wing now, I believe. Uh, they actually have two for Armada, which I'm, I'm really yeah. impressed with. And that's what they do use. They're like, eh, we'll just tide you over with, with this, you know, instead <laughs> of actual, actual releases. Um, there's that, and then have they done an X-Wing one? I, know I think we... there is one. Maybe it's a fan-made one, but I know there's one out there. It's know, called uh, Heroes of the Alturi Cluster, I think. Although that does sound right. Yeah, I think that might be a fan-made one. Okay. All right, and the next thing was ScoutCon. Yes. So uh, one of the people that comes to our regular Friday game group put a, out a notice for something called ScoutCon. So in Granville, Michigan, there is a, a scout troop who is going to host a game day. Uh, on February 1st, and they've they've uh, gotten use of the GrandCon game library, so they're going to be able to have that on site. And I thought it was a cool idea. So it's a scout troop that has hosting a game day, and uh, your admission goes towards their uh, like their high adventure funds. So I thought that it was a cool fundraiser that they're going to do. So, so it's what, coming up on February 1st. You said high adventure funds. Yes, so I like to go to, uh, there's the Philmont Scout Ranch in New Mexico that a lot of scouts go to. It's kind of the, uh, kind of your varsity trip, I guess, in a way. Um, and so, you know, these these uh, scouts will go on outdoor canoe trips and backpacking trips, and so this is to fund that sort of thing. Hmm, okay. I, you know, I will say, on one hand, like, I regret, um not like becoming like an eagle scout or whatever whatever even staying with boy scouts very long mm-hmm. but on the other hand um they never did anything cool like this you know if we were actually going and doing you know kind of outdoor stuff like that they would have mm-hmm. held my attention a lot longer i think so yeah i you know i did it until i was about 17 and then i think the uh i don't know the interest just kind of dried up I think last I heard they were they had kind of restarted it, but hmm. it's cool though. I yeah. yeah, I I mean I admire you know I'm just running into people every now and then that I find out you know were an Eagle Scout. I'm like wow hmm. man, I 
really admire that that you <laughs> you stayed with it that long and did all the stuff. But you know, mm-hmm. anyway. So the next thing we had, oh yeah, t- the root expansion you were telling us about. Yeah, yeah, I got my shipping notice for that, so that's on its way. Um, I'm getting the underworld expansion, which is I don't even remember. It's been so long. Uh, a couple new factions, I guess. But also, Roy, you were talking earlier about the the mechanical marquee. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the the add-ons, if you bought the expansion for just a few extra bucks, was uh, uh, a bot for each of the original four factions, oh. including the Vagabond, which I thought might be kind of cool to play with. So, mm-hmm. so it's it's actually some sort of improved version of the mechanical marquee because they call it the 2.0. But mm-hmm. then there's one okay. for the others as well. So. That's all on its way. I just got the shipping notice today, so I don't know, this week maybe that'll be in my house. Um, and then World War World at War eighty five is also shipping, but not to me yet. I don't have a tracking notice on that yet. But I've been waiting so long for that game, and I wanted to get here. So is this the lock and load one? It is. That's lock and load. It's uh, yeah, European, you know, World War three, nineteen eighty five kind of thing. Is it uh, the Kickstarter they did? It is. Yes. Okay. It's got so much in it. I mean, there were just like a million extras on it. So uh, really looking forward to it, and I've been waiting a long time for it, it feels like. So what um, uh, scale is that one at World War 85? Oh, gosh. Uh, you would ask me something like that. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's not tactical, but it's not strategic either, so I'm, I'm guessing it fits somewhere in that operational range, but... I seem to think it's smaller, so maybe like company or battalion size, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I'm looking on their website, and I'll have this link to the share notes. Uh, MSRP on is Storming the Gap, right? Volume yep, 1. Storming the Gap. Yeah. MSRP is like 120 bucks on it. Yeah. And, uh, and and I paid much less than that with everything. I mean, there mm-hmm. there were so many add-ons and and stretch goals and everything, and they just kept meeting them and kept meeting. The Kickstarter was wildly successful, so they met all their stretch goals pretty much. And there's just there's going to be a million things in the box. I mean, it's going to be heavy. Yeah. Well, okay. According to this, remember we were talk- we were wondering like, well, how how much is like you know just 200 counters is that worth 50 bucks they have over 600 counters in this one yeah um seven counter sheets they have 130 playing cards four maps and yeah and there's gonna be a lot more maps than that because of all the kickstarter yeah. stuff yeah oh it comes with six 16 millimeter d6 dice just in case you didn't have any we've got them oh, right there. i think I'm, i think i'm out of d6s mm-hmm. there you go so, huh? I've I've have seen Lock and Load at um, they were at uh Board Game Geekcon in Dallas. They're really nice yeah. bunch of guys, and my friend Chris and I bought a ton of stuff that we haven't like got to the table yet. But I really should do that sometime. The stuff looks nice too. I mean, it's the the quality of the maps <gasps> and everything look really good in the counters. I, I've played Lock and Load Tactical. Um, wasn't crazy about the system just because you know I've got ASL, but this is different era different system and everything but it's going to be the same quality of materials hopefully you know um it reminds me um two things like number one uh the only thing i don't like about lock and load games is usually the cover art whenever they put like 
a person on it because it looks <laughs> to me i just i don't like whatever style that is where it looks like well we took a picture of jim the copy boy and then we photoshopped him to look like a soldier i don't know whatever it is i don't like it it, it just puts me off and um, the other thing reminded me of, speaking of components, I really need to buy that new edition of um, Conflict of Heroes. By, oh, I think, yeah. By, yeah. I, I, think I, I saw that at Miniature Market today, actually, or yesterday I, when I was there. I think Academy Games is who, who yes. does that. Um, yeah. They... I, that does a chip pull system, sort of. Uh, like for damage, you're drawing out. If I remember, of course, that was way back when I played the first edition. And yeah. I really liked it. I, it's like large uh, counters. They're thick. You know, I, I'm, and I've ranted and raved about them before. Like, But I need to do that. And maybe if I do it, I'll actually play it and could bring it to a historic fest. And so this is a good lead-in, right? Yeah. I, I think so, yeah. So uh, we interviewed this nice gentleman from the History on the Table podcast. And because we're... He was, you know, he's putting on this week. We, I've, I've complained about it before that, you know, he's more successful than me because his podcast has its own convention and um, <laughs> at Historic Fest in Kansas City. And uh, Richard's been trying to get me to go. And so I was like, well, let's let's interview this guy and let's let's talk to him and see if he can convince me to go. So let's take take a take a listen to this interview. What I really enjoy, I I. I we had a lot of fun doing this interview and had a lot of fun editing it. One thing I really like about it is we kept trying to like wrap it up and then be like, but wait, let's talk about this obscure thing from whatever. Oh yes, I love that obscure thing for whatever. And we just go on for another <laughs> ten minutes, you know. That happened like four times. So but yeah, it was great. And um anything that we talk about, you know, in it will be linked in the show notes. So just take a listen, see what you think. All right, uh, you've got I, we, you, we, I, they, we're all here. Uh, Matt from the History on the Table podcast has came on here to um, clarify and refute some claims that we've made about historic KC Fest. So, welcome, Matt. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I, I have to say, it's an honor to be on the number one rated automotive podcast in the world. I know that's crazy. you know I'm not much of a car guy, but I feel I like I'm on click and clack. You know, I was like, I was going to fix that, and I'm like, well, I'm number one in this thing. Why should I leave, you know? Yeah. It would be hilarious if our downloads, like, triples because of a bunch of gearheads listening to this show, and they're like, what the hell are they talking about this week? Well, Somebody... there's got to be a correlation between gearheads and Kid Rock fans, so you're on <laughs> Oh, yeah. And not to mention, a guy on Twitter was like, well, you do have a gear as your logo, so naturally, people are going to click on this and listen to it. And then they're like, huh, he's talking about Kid Rock. Yeah, I've checked this out. All right. <laughs> I don't know what all this other shit he's talking about is, but, yeah, okay. So, yeah, anyway, yeah, it's weird. And, yeah, so, yeah, all right. Uh, so, Richard and I have been kind of talking back and forth the past week or so about he was always definitely going to historic KC Fest or just. Um, Let me, just historic fest. I, I mean, know, it's, I know. I messed it up every time. That's all right. It's okay. I really wanted to get Historicon, where it was just Historic with a K and Con with a C. But, you know, they already do that, and I didn't want to cramp anyone's style, so. Yeah, I I think I started out Googling uh, Historic Fest, uh, Kansas City, and all kinds of stuff pops up. You've got, like, a Ren Fair and, you know, all this uh, crazy stuff going on there. 
And um, so, yeah, I guess we should explain that, you know, for people that are new to this that haven't listened to us in the past couple of weeks or so. Historic Fest is in Kansas City. It's June 26th through the 28th. And would you say, Matt, that it's kind of leaning toward a wargaming of the board game variety? Oh, yeah, I would say... You know, if someone really wanted to come and play miniatures, we'd have them gladly. But the the whole purpose is open gaming with a a lean towards historical war board gaming. I know you've got a bunch of ASL advanced squad leader uh, stuff, and that just yeah, uh, Mitch came a running, just headed headed on over there. I think Mitch is there for next war. So oh too. yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah, so. um, yeah, you've got a lot going on that weekend. You've got ASL, um, which not only – and this is interesting because you're going to do full ASL as well as some starter kit stuff, right? So really it's starter kit stuff, and then the main draw, we have a full ASL tournament if we get the demand for it. The main draw of the ASL is what we're calling the Summer Sizzler, which is – we just gave it a name. And really it's more of a uh, – you can win some prizes by playing – some of the hassle, the historical ASL, like I don't know what they've settled on, but kind of what ideas we threw around were like the red factories, you know, that giant map and you can get points for different ways. So if you kill a squad or whatever, you get points and then whoever gets, um, whoever gets the most points on the Russian side and whoever gets the most points on the German side or whatever side we're using, uh, they're going to go home with prizes. That's the main ASL event. We threw on the tournament and if, if people sign up for it, we've had a few people show ASL interest, but yeah. Yeah, you've got a lot going on. I'm I'm very torn between next door and ASL myself, so Well see that's that's kind of one thing you know, if I've only been to one ASL tournament and it was a starter kit tournament and there was only two of us that were playing the starter kit. And you and won. I did. I am the uh, <laughs> two thousand nineteen Kansas City starter kit champion. With one win. <clears throat> the thing I like is, okay, if you go, if you play in the ASL tournament and you get eliminated, you're not done for the weekend. You're not scrambling to find games. There should be plenty for you to do. So what's the, uh, I know you had Next War Con last year, and you're going to roll that into Historic Fest this year. What's Next War Con going to look like? Yeah, so Next War Con last year was just a three-day micro convention held in a local game store here. Um where we just played next war for three days and Mitch land came down from St. Louis and he was just there on hand, answering questions, playing games, uh, just hanging out with everyone. And so it's largely going to be the same thing. Uh, we're going to have dedicated space where if you just want to sit down and set up your next war game for three days and just hang out with a bunch of people, people playing next war, uh, go for it. Now, did you guys invite him for that or did he just show up? Uh, no, so that came about from, uh, there's this guy, so I'm not the only one who did Next War Con, another guy named Chris Miller out of, he did that out of Lincoln or Omaha, I don't remember what, he reached out to Mitch, and he said, hey, we should do a small convention for Next War, because Mitch was coming to Fort Leavenworth to do these game days with, um, at the Command College at Fort Leavenworth, I think that's how they ran into each other, anyways, he approached Mitch and he said, hey, we should do a convention, and we should do it in St. Louis. And I think Mitch was kind of like, or not in St. Louis, Kansas City. And Mitch was kind of like, well, what the hell? Neither of us are in Kansas City. So he introduced both of us, Chris and I, and uh, said he was on board. And that's kind of how 
Next WarCon came about. And then from there, after Next WarCon, I thought Next WarCon last year was a great success. It's like, I want to I want to do more because we were pretty confined in the game store. It was it was nice. It was free. But, um, you know, it's open gaming, so there's 15 other tables with people playing everything, and it was pretty loud. But What's the space going to be like for this con? Uh, so we're going to be at Overland Park Convention Center, which is super nice. Um, I've gone there for a bunch of, like, con- continuing education stuff. Um, so we have... We have one of the rooms, and then we have the welcome space outside of the room, and either kind of depending on how many, what our final number is, how we use those spaces. But we have a big, nice convention center room. So you'd say it's about the size of Gen Con. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right. Going back to that disclaimer we were talking about earlier. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I yeah I asked if you had invited. Mitchell Land, or just because I just thought it would be funny if he just showed up, you know, and some guy's trying to say, "No, you're playing it wrong. That's not how you. That's not how you do that. That rule doesn't work that guy? way." <laughs> Have you ever played this before, sir? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we were. Uh, Richard and I have talked about it uh, a little bit, and we've been kind of texting each other back and forth. It, it seems really, really interesting. It's um, Which, of course, this sounded really, really cool, and then all of a sudden I think Con, Con Sim World Dallas just popped up like yesterday, yeah. and I'm like, okay, well, this is the closest, now the closest Wargaming convention to me. But, uh, yeah, you're only 10 hours away. Anything over, th- for me, anything over 13 is bad, and I, I would really have to think about it. I think uh, 10 hours is really doable. One thing um, I was really interested in is there's a last 100 yards tournament. There's the potential for one. So oh, what okay. I want to, I do want to clear, just because it, it depends. Um, my, so Mike Denson's coming no matter what, whether there's a tournament or not. So he'll be there demoing, hopefully, the new expansion, uh, doing, you know, learn how to plays, whatever events he wants to run, he can run. And then you can go grab dinner with him. That's another event we're doing. The tournament we're offering, it, it really just depends on, you know, if we don't want people sign up for the tournament, we don't want people sign up. But we'll, we'll make it work. You know, if five people have an interest in a tournament, we'll put together a round robin or something. And uh, we've got prizes out the wazoo so so yeah mmp was really nice to you guys yeah and, mmp and, and, uh, um, did you get a gmt too no not yet but not yet not yet <laughs> i would be surprised because so right now we have two gmt designers yeah um, not that they're exclusive but both mike denson will and mitchell land will be there and it's not final yet but they're maybe a third one who I'd say is a GMT designer as well. We're just waiting for him to confirm. Cool. Any hint, any possible hints? No, cause I don't want to jinx it. Cause I'm <laughs> okay. really excited for you. it. I don't want to like blow my load. And I understand that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess that it's uh Roger McGowan. Okay. Sorry. I'll edit that out. Cause that wasn't funny. For <laughs> no, I won't. Cause I'm lazy. It's the designer of the Sword Lesbians game. The Sword, uh, yeah. <laughs> Thirsty Sword Lesbians, that is actually a game. And I love, like, when you actually look us up on iTunes, it's right there in the description. So, yeah, so these gearheads are well, really digging the, the show. I put in the description, yeah. <laughs> They're like, holy shit, Kid Rock and Thirsty Sword Lesbians? This is awesome. When's he start to, when do they start talking about cars? I don't know. I hate to go very specific crowd, and I don't <laughs> think it's Wargamers. No. 
I don't know, but it will, will they buy stuff? That's what I will. will they, if I sell ads, will they will they buy whatever I'm selling? That, that's the important thing. So, um, I also liked uh, we were looking at registration, you know, and um, I think as of this podcast, as of the recording date, this is the eighth. You got like what two days left uh, to get the early bird? Yeah, thing. Yeah, it's just, just ten ten bucks off registration. And I, I don't know if this goes without saying, but our registration fees are just the costs of um, covering the expenses. I'm not in this to to make money or anything like that. Anything that we get just goes straight back into the con, making yeah. it better. I mean, so. it, like I think it's I think sixty dollars after the early bird thing. I mean, yeah, that doesn't sound really expensive for a three day convention at all, really. I did want to ask um, who the, the dinner with designers. Is that like mm-hmm. you can just do it, or do you have to like buy a ticket? Do you win a chance for it? How does that work? No, so it's just first come, first serve. As you sign up for the convention, just say, "Hey, I want to do the dinner with the de- designers with Mitch or Mike, whichever one," um, and you're in. And it's just uh, five to seven people. So basically, what happened is last year at Next War Con on Saturday night there was a a handful of us that were left at the convention and we had made reservations at one of the barbecue places in Kansas city. And we all went out to, uh, it's called Jack sack and we just had a great time. And it was probably eight of us hanging out with Mitch, everyone spitball and either talking, I mean, all over the way, either talking war games or military history or whatever we were talking about. It was just a really nice time. And it was probably one of my favorite moments from next war con. And I was like, well, this is a good idea. This should be something that's open to everyone. And so that's where that stemmed out of. So you just sign up. Uh, Mitch has requested to do barbecue again, so we'll make the reservations. And then Mike requested Italian, and there's a there's a place in Kansas City called Garoza's. It's been around forever. Um, they're famous for inventing chicken spadini, and so, so that's where Mike's dinner will be. All right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I would love to do it, and just if I was one of these guys, I'd be like, all right, the closest McDonald's, or no, no, um, <laughs> got, got to do something regional, like Jack in the Box would be a thing, because yeah, we don't have those down here. Sonic. Sonic. Like, do y'all have Sonic up there? Yeah, but you know, like for Roy, Roy's up in Michigan, right? I think Sonic is a rare treat for the folks up in Michigan. Yeah, my kids uh, at their mom's in Wisconsin, they don't have it, so they come down yeah. to like Mississippi and they're like, let's go to Sonic. And we don't have good Mexican places up there either. And I'm like, well, you probably have good Canadian places. You're right there. But anyway, I digress. Poutine. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's actually re- really good stuff <laughs> that I ate in in Milwaukee, of all places. And, uh, yeah, really good. So, uh, Matt, how, yeah, how are you going to do a game schedule? Are you going to try to schedule stuff? I know you've got the, the daily meetup where people can just, you know, get together and figure out what to play, but are you going to have stuff scheduled ahead of time for some people if they want to, or how are you going to do that? Yeah. Um, so any of our events are going to be scheduled ahead of time. So if we're, if we're running, learn to play great campaigns of the American civil war, we'll have start and stop times for that. Um, what we're going to do probably a couple months out. So maybe in April we'll do a geek list for, I want to play this at, historic fest and we'll put together some kind of like a google doc or something that people can hopefully plan out their days is is what i'm thinking the geek list works really good it in my limited experience i did one for a, a board game geek con in dallas and it, it worked really good yeah i think it's i've i've seen it i have not 
I guess with uh, Rich and I attend the same convention in St. Louis, Donkey Con, and um, it's worked well there. And I've seen it impl- used it for different conventions. It seems to go fine, especially I think smaller. I mean, we're not we're not a huge convention, so not yet. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll so Matt, did you did you start this just because? You wanted to have a con and no one else was doing it. You thought I'll do it myself. Uh, a little bit. So what's funny is the idea for the convention actually came around before the podcast. Um, so when I got into wargaming, I just thought of how cool it would be to have something in Kansas City that's not miniatures based. So we have something called recruits in Kansas City, and it's mainly board gaming and miniature wargaming, and it's it's a pretty good time. It's only five bucks. They hold it in a high school gym. But I always thought it'd be really cool to do this. And we have some board game conventions here, but the closest thing to wargaming you get there is like X-Wing miniatures, which is great. I like X-Wings and stuff, but it's really a RPG Euro game, and I play a ton of Euro games convention. We just don't have anything here. And then, you know, with the baby coming, I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to go to many conventions at all anymore for the foreseeable future. So I sat down with my wife and... We checked out a bunch of venues together and just decided to go for it. But, yeah, I think part of it was just a need or want for something here local. Plus, I think Kansas City is actually a really great place to travel to. I don't – I think there's a lot of cool stuff to do here, both either just straight entertainment-wise, you know, bars, sporting events, whatever. But there's also a ton of historical stuff to go do just here in Kansas City, so – yeah, there's a what a World War One museum there. Yeah, the National World War One Museum is here. Um, it's underneath what's called the Liberty Memorial, which is a awesome um, tower you can go up in. But the the deal with the Liberty Memorial is it's the one spot where all the leaders after World War One. It's the only spot they were together, I think, is what it was. So um, oh, okay. it was like the general for Belgium. And a bunch of different generals for, like for France and the United States and Great Britain. And I think the vice president, they all went to this ceremony for this World War One memorial. And that's that's kind of the claim to fame. And so the museum is actually really nice. I mean, it's super nice. I completely understand what you mean as you couldn't find players. And so you kind of want to do your own convention. I completely understand that. That's I, that's been in the back of my mind. I think for ten years now, we've talked a little Adam bit. Adam Con. What we're gonna do Adam Con. Adam, Adam Con. Con. No, it was, it, we remember we're gonna do the uh, the Chance of Gaming Riverboat Cruise. That's what it was gonna oh, yeah. be. It has no no gaming, only uh, drinking and a vendor place. That's it. You just buy stuff. There and are drink. no laws once you get fifteen feet from the shore. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I completely understand that. We, we've mentioned a couple times on the show that, um, you know, board gaming is a niche hobby, and war gaming is a niche inside of a niche. So oh, absolutely. So you, you even had this smaller group of uh, players. And, uh, yeah, my experience uh, with some, not all, and I, I mainly think it was, like, particularly just one, and I don't dare say the game I was playing in case he's actually listening. Uh, I had a really kind of crappy experience with a guy um, at a board game geek con in Dallas that like, you know, we did the, um, the geek list thing and I, I signed up to play this game with him. And yeah, so, you know, it's, it was, 
I, to, to me, I'm always looking for, like, very friendly as, like, hey, I've, I maybe have read the rules, but let's be honest, I haven't. So um, I just want to come in and, and see how this game is played or, or just play it that way. And, you know, some people get, like, kind of mad that they're like, you know, you're not experienced, you know, why are you wasting my time and whatever. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I think sometimes there is an expectation to, like, be perfect at a war game, which is actually really asking a lot. And I think uh, so when my brother and I tried to play, I, it, like, you'll go back to the first episode I ever did on my podcast. I talk about how my brother's kind of, like, not into war games anymore, but he got in at the same time as me. I think we both had an expectation where we'd get together and both of us would have to have the rules memorized, which you just can't do with war games. Anyways, that's a little bit off topic, but I think ever since I got away from you don't have to go in and have the rules memorized, which kind of coming as a Euro game player, I always felt like you did. Like when I went to weekly board game nights, I always feel like I had to have the rules down pat before we played anything because they'd want to get up and get going. But anyways. I saw where last year you had uh, NWS as a sponsor. Oh, no, that's this year, yeah. Oh, that is gonna, this year. They're okay. a sponsor, yeah. Is he going to so be everyone there? Who atten- no, so we're not doing any vendors. That was kind of the... I just wanted to focus on gaming. And oh, the, no. Kind of the inspiration on that was Dice Tower Retreat, right, where you just go and play games. Uh, but he's offering anyone who attends gets 5% off from NWS War Gaming Store. All right, I'm not going, Rich. No no vendor. No no vending. Yeah. So what, what am I going to do there? Play games? What is this? Yeah, and you don't play games. You only buy games. I know. <laughs> Yeah, if you see the, the the YouTube video I shot, you'll see. Oh, it. I watched it. I saw that. <laughs> the cribs? Yes. Yeah, That's good. something, Adam, I yeah. gotta tell you. Uh, yeah, so many people commented, they're like, I don't feel bad about myself now. I don't. <laughs> I was like, I don't have a problem. Yes, my two-play shelf isn't nowhere, nowhere near as big as yours. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know, I got a problem. And that's just a piece of it. I haven't even, yeah, yeah there's more. And then I saw you were on... I can't remember where I saw it. I think it was on the maybe the con the the buy sell Facebook page, and someone was asking about something. You're like, yeah, I think I've got a copy of it somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> random old game. Yes, yep. And generally, <laughs> that's that's the way it happens. Like, hey, I'm kind of interested in playing this, or you know, whatever. And I'm like, ah, I think I have that somewhere. Yeah, and the worst thing is if it sits around long enough, I sell it, and then I buy it back six months later. Uh, not from the same person, but just whatever. Anyway. Yeah, it's it's some kind of disease where you just buy and whatever. But it, in this, in Kansas City War Game Festival, I'm very interested to actually play stuff. Um, I have a friend here that's kind of interested in going with me, and he's very excited about the ASL Starter Kit training mission, the the Learn to Play thing Friday morning. Yeah. He was like, can we go, if, we, if I end up going, can we go like Thursday? Can we drive up Thursday so we can be there for this thing? And I'm like, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I guess we could just jump in immediately to the st- <laughs> to the uh, starter kit tournament. May- it may just be me and him. That'll be fine. No, you, go, you go straight from starter kit to red barricades. That's yeah, yeah. Right we'll see. That's the thing. It's like it'll just be two of us, and we'll and like the prize pool will be enormous, so we get half of it. You know that. Well, I don't want to say pool. It's more of a prize <laughs> rule book. So, see, see what you need to know about ASL and what I learned. Uh, in talking with much more experienced people is the typical prize for a starter kit tournament is the rule book. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, gotcha. I don't want to get your, although I did get a plaque, so maybe you can borrow my plaque or something. Oh, yeah, we could have cool. shared custody. 
but I'm gonna do. I, yeah, I'm gonna do the uh, training mission there. I think. I think that's one of the. Most of the time, I'm gonna be running around doing a whole bunch of other crap. But I think I'm gonna sit down and and do that. So you will get to play something, I hope. Otherwise, because it, it's probably gonna be a whole weekend of hey Matt, hey Matt, hey Matt. Yeah, I um, fortunately, like the hardest questions are gonna be for. Mitch. So there's going to be a whole lot of Hey Mitch. And yeah. then th- there, used to. there are a couple other guys that I should mention. This isn't just my project. Um, I, I've kind of brought them on board and just pitch ideas off of them. And they're helping run some events. So there's two guys here, Zach LaRue and Rex Stites are both kind of helping out. So Zach's going to, I think, do the U.S. Civil War, learn to play. And Rex is doing Front Toward Enemy and the Great Campaigns, learn to play. Okay. Um, Who's doing the uh, ASL stuff? Is it the Kansas City ASL guys? Yeah, uh, two of the guys there, maybe three. Uh, so there's kind of three guys that head up the KCASL group, and two is of them. Is Dan pers- going to be there? Yeah, Dan. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Dan, Dan for sure is in, and Dave, I'm pretty sure is in, and there's a third guy, I think Paul. I think they asked him to help out, and so between the those two guys and myself for the ASL, and it kind of just depends on what the demand for it is. I don't know if we'll need three people, but Rich, uh, please tell me, please tell me, Dan is your arch rival in ASL. No, Dan's my best friend. Dan gave me the tweezers that I still use today. So Uh how did you, how did you meet Dan? At the St. Louis ASL tournament. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Super nice guy. You know, I, um, I I know, I guess we're here to talk about Sorkfest, but I'll, the KC ASL group, you hear this stuff about ASL players being like an old crotchety closed group, a bunch of grumpy gamers yes. that are I have one not as a, in Kansas I have one City, as a man. co-host. They're awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rich is terrible. Uh, the Kansas City guys are it's super Roy. Well Roy's the guy that plays ASL. I thought, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dan really is great. He's a, he's a super nice guy. Yeah, they've taught me a lot. Uh, yeah. So. so, Rich, if you show up in your um, St. Louis like uh asl shirt will there be oh, yeah. like, will there I'm be like a well will there be like a, a jets and sharks kind of thing where you guys are like yep. so actually matt runs the kc war gaming group and i uh, run is not the right word but organizes takes the lead for I, the st louis war gaming group so we're talking about meeting in columbia later this year to have a big battle royale not only talking about it i think it's got to happen because i think columbia, does, missouri yeah. is exactly two hours for both groups yeah. And there's a game store right there. So yeah. It's just begging to happen. Yeah, I stopped by when I picked up my daughter from college a few weeks ago. So she's excited about it, too, If especially do it when Mizzou is in session. So. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So, yes, Matt and I are bitter rivals. We hate each other very much. <laughs> Another question I had was you talked about, like, learn to play uh, U.S. Civil War. What exact, like, rule set or board game is that one? Oh, Adam, you've never listened to my podcast. I yeah, I, the U.S. I, Civil War. I don't is think he's listened to his own podcast because we talked about this the last episode. <laughs> let me let me tell you about the U.S. It's on my table right now. <laughs> oh yeah, right. The U.S. Civil War is a GMT game designed by Mark Semenich that is the best war game ever made, as determined by a completely objective and fair process. Um, it's it's a grand strategic hex encounter 
uh, Civil War game. It actually plays really smooth once you get up and running, and it plays, you could play up to six people pretty fairly. The guy out in Mississippi, or not Mississippi, out in Arkansas and Louisiana is going to be bored out of their mind, but you could do six if you really wanted to. Each um, person take a theater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I... Uh, yeah, the, the southern guy in the uh, Trans-Mississippi Theater is not going to have a real good time. No, no. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I, I see it here. You're right, you're right. That's the one, that, the map that said, oh, I can see my house from here. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then the other one I'm actually a little bit more familiar with is the uh, Great Campaigns. That's the one that, what is it, like Lee Strikes North or... I always get Great Campaigns and Great Battles confused. Campaigns is the MMP one, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and it is a alternating activation based off a die roll, or it's an in, you determine initiative by rolling a die. And so, what's what's nice about great campaigns is it the turn activation really kind of dictates how the game plays. So, for example, if you know if the Confederate player wins initiative twelve rolls in a row, and they might, that's really going to play differently if you're going back and forth. Uh, and then great battles is the GMT game, and it's a now it's a chip pull game, I think. I haven't played it yet. I own several of the titles. So that's cool. And, and then the, I can actually... I, what I like is when you go to register, you're like, hey, uh, do you want to host a game or, or whatever? Um, just put it in right here in the little box, and that way we'll know to how much space and table you know, to get for you. And uh, yeah, I'm going to have a lot of fun with that when I actually register. Yeah. Good. Well, I'll know it's you. Yeah, some guys are playing. Um, oh, it's a '70s. The name's escaping me. It's it's like on to Moscow. I think it's a '70s SPI game, Cold War Gone Hot, Drive on Moscow, and it's like it's a four mapper, and they're just gonna play it for three days straight. I don't know if it's a very good game, but whatever. They more power to them, so they're excited for it. Yeah, if you've got a weekend and you got the time to do it, that's. I mean, that's the perfect time to do something like that. Yeah, so and so that's, I, what, that's what we go to Donkey Kong for. So, right, and I guess I, I'll add real quick. So we lock the room every night. I think we're going till midnight on Friday and Saturday. And so if you come and set up a monster game or if you set up whatever, we'll leave it set up for you. We're not going to take anything down. So I could bring a campaign for North Africa. Sure. Yeah. Set that one up. I thought you were yeah. going to buy that uh, that Salerno twenty five hundred dollar game for me or that Death Ride. <laughs> Death Ride. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Death Ride of Kursk, what not? Uh, but that was like the ult- the ultimate edition. The ultimate edition for twenty five hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah, I was telling him to bring it up there and just we'll show it off. I'm up. sure people, dozens of people, will buy it. Just bring some. Make sure you clip the counters too. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'll get started now. <laughs> maybe maybe I could get a play to win copy that we could offer <laughs> yeah. up that if you participate, you can win a copy. That so that's be- another thing I'll mention is we have some play-to-win games. Um, so we'll have a small library. It's hard to do a library for war games, but just stuff from my own personal collection that you know plays quick. Uh, Twilight Struggle, Sekigahara, things things like that. Um, and then we also, some of the prizes we're giving away are play-to-win games. So uh, Front Toward Enemy, the new Vietnam game from Multiman Publishing, we're going to have a play-to-win game of that because the scenarios... I don't know. You could probably get six plays out of it through the weekend. So that's 12 people that are entered to win a copy. And then someone will go home with that copy from the con. So we have a little bit of that going on. We have ton of, tons of door prizes. Um, Multiman Publishing. Gosh, I, I probably should have looked this up first. 
Hollenspiel, Osprey Games, Miniature Market, Samea Cell Sponsors, Bounding Fire, and Lung Connect. And then we're also giving away a pair of tickets to the World War One Museum, which is well worth it. I think I may give those out beforehand. Like, I'm going to say, if you're signed up by May 1st or whatever date I pick, you're in the drawing. That way, if someone comes, then they know. Yeah, you can plan for that. Some time. Now, um, that does remind me, uh, another thing you have listed, I think is on Sunday, is a nonfiction book drop. What is that? Oh, yeah. So I'm actually pretty excited about this. So, uh, Rich, I'm, I know you're familiar because you live in St. Louis, but uh, Adam, do you know about Geekway to the West? I, I've heard him talk about it. That's about it. Yeah, so it's a big St. Louis board game convention. One thing they do with <laughs> war games is everyone can bring a game, and they throw it in a giant pile, and the first lucky guy gets to go into the, uh, you know, the um, whatever, the pile, and pick out a game. And whoever's game he picks out is the next one in. So you want to make your offering more appealing so you get to be the next guy up. And so we're just going to do the same thing with historical nonfiction. Uh, bring in a like new or new book, throw it in a pile, I'll draw a name, that person gets the first pick, and then the next person up. So if their book's... if Rich puts in the campaigns of Napoleon, um, and someone takes it, then Rich is up for the next pick. I like that. That's really cool. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun way. And then, you know, it's a way to get rid of some books that are in good shape and you bring a book that you enjoyed or whatever. I think I have a bunch of, uh, through work, we uh, ditched a whole bunch of um, ex-library books. And now, I, I could donate some for sure. The the whole deal is is to make your pick appealing so you get in there sooner. I'm not sure because I was thinking the same thing. It's like, oh, I could seed this with, you know, all these books that I have that are in great shape. But then I don't know what I would do if my book got picked because the whole thing is you're supposed to like cycle off each other, is what I was thinking. Ah, uh, yeah. See, well, you guys do it at like two on Sunday. I hope to be like halfway back home by then. So. Well, uh, so the the schedule isn't final. The only thing that's probably final would be, I guess the the historical ASL deal will be on Saturday, Sunday. You're probably right about that. I should move that to a time when more people will be there. Saturday's always good, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I, maybe I I'll move it to Saturday. Doing. That's a good point. Uh, what was the attendance last year? So last year was just next war con. Uh, we had 20 people for next war con. And so this year, uh, this is the first year where our cap is 90. If we hit 90, I will eat my shoe. I don't <laughs> I don't expect us to get there. That's just where it's like, all right, this is the hard limit. Our goal and hope is probably 60 people. Um, I think that's going to give us a good offering. That'll leave us with plenty of space. Um, and everyone want plenty of room to work with. Um, right now, we're, we're at about 30 people. Um, that's both hard commits and then some soft commits from local guys that just haven't paid yet, like... You know you're going to go, you go every month to our war game group, like, just go register. So, we're about a third of the way to capacity, but like I said, I don't see us hitting 90. I don't know, you're a third away, and uh, you've got five months left to go? You should get close to it, I would think. I It would be wonderful, I'd be really happy with it, I, I'd be able to do some more cool stuff, like... What I'd really like to be able to do is provide refreshments and stuff at no cost. Um, Free beer, like, yes. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that would be awesome. Oh, no sponsors took that. Like, I offered a sponsorship opportunity to be like, you could be the official coffee sponsor of Historic Fest. You know, you pay the cost of coffee, 
through the convention center and we'll do it. Um, those are things I would like to add. Um, and things like that can be added on as we hit those higher numbers, but we'll see. It's, you know, it's the middle of summer. We just had to pick a date that worked or you're, we're shooting the gap with dice tower convention, Gen Con origins, console world is a couple weeks before it's a busy time. So we just, the three of us sat down and said, all right, what weeks, what works for all of us? Okay, there's nothing planned that weekend. Let's go for it and let's do it. Yeah, um, I'm, I, yeah, I'm really excited. I guess the main thing is actually getting able to play this kind of stuff that I don't normally get to play. And uh, yeah, I would definitely pack up one of those annoying uh, bags, you know, that you put a ton of board games <laughs> in, and you yeah. crowd the elevator and you hit people with. I'd pack one of those up for full and and bring. That would be awesome. Oh, you gotta get the wagon. You gotta get the the little fold up wagon. <laughs> yeah. I gotta up my game and bring the wagon, not wagon yeah. and the backpack, so I can be super yeah. obnoxious. Yeah. For all those games you're gonna buy from vendors that aren't there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're giving away some uh, bags. Uh, Miniature Market, one of our sponsors uh, there in St. Louis, they gave us. You know, they just came out with all these bags. Yeah, those uh, are pretty new. Yeah, they they gave us uh, several of those. Like, um, it's kind of funny. I had sent the sponsorship request to them. I don't know, probably in August and we get home from the hospital with the baby and we're probably in like week two. And all of a sudden there are like three massive boxes on, and they're really not that full of stuff. It's just the bags are big. So they had to sit in several boxes. And my wife's like, what the hell are you ordering when we have a two week baby at home? Like, no, 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 no. It's free. I swear it's free. I, I'll be honest right now. Cause she's not going to listen to this. I, some boxes have come and she's like, what's that? It's like, Oh, it's just sponsorship stuff for the convention. It's like, Oh no, that's a copy of Last Blitzkrieg from my collection. Yeah. Um, well, the, the real go-to is oh, that's a pre-order. I yeah. ordered that a year ago. Oh, that's a Kickstarter <laughs> from years yeah. ago. I, you know, I will say, um, with the World War One Museum, I know this this is uh, miniatures though. You might want to reach out to uh, Firelock Games. They are an American company. And they're releasing this month is the rules for Blood and Valor. They're the ones that do Blood and Plunder, the uh, the pirate ship game, you know, the pirate ships. Okay, and yeah, ship. yeah, yeah. Well, they're doing Blood and Valor, which is a World War One game. I think the rules released this month. Maybe they'd be interested in doing something with you if you want to let those scummy uh, miniature people in. I would. I heard if something I were you. about a Victory at Sea reprint too, which is World War One naval combat. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Miniatures. Yeah, ah, I just I just went in hard on the naval miniatures. Side. That's right. I saw you. I saw you got those rule books. Is that World War Two? The one you got? Yeah, and then I got the. Sorry to derail this. I hope this whatever. Um, <laughs> like, it has no rails. <laughs> it really doesn't. No. Yeah, I read I read one naval uh, the admirals right, which is a World War Two book about the admirals, the five star right, admirals yeah. of World War Two, and then like it, I'm hooked, and so. Uh, Mitch Land posted these rule books for naval combat, and I I started. There's like a quick start guide for free uh, for both World War One, Godfear and Dreadnought, and then Commands at Sea, Clash of Arm makes them. And I I've sworn off miniatures because I've tried. I I'm jealous of Legion, like you guys talking about Legion and stuff. I'd love to do it. I just I'm not crafty, and I'm really crappy at painting. I've got shaky hands, and I don't enjoy it because I get too stressed out about it being perfect. Anyways. I found a site where, like, the Navy miniatures are already gray. So I was like, well, I don't need to do anything else other than get a blue piece of paper, and I'm set. Anyways, um, I'm pretty excited to play some Naval miniatures. 
So what rules did you get again? Did you say? Uh, they're from Clash of Arms, which is a hex encounter board game company. The World War II version is called Commands at Sea. And there's like a, you can go get a free base rules PDF. And then the, I want to say the World War One is called God, Fear, and Dreadnought. I've got a binder somewhere with the rules in them. Huh. I'm reminded of, uh... Is it, go ahead. Is it worth bringing those to St. Louis in May, or is it too tough to pick up for that? Um, I don't know yet. Okay. You should ask Mitch, because he's gotten further than I have. I think he's actually right. <laughs> shifts around. Well, maybe I'll, I'll ask him to play on one of our game days then. Well, I would play in May for sure. Um, okay, cool. So, so Adam, you, I don't want to like put you on the spot, but does this mean you're going to come? I, It's looking that way-ish. Um, <laughs> is something like, maybe? Yeah, probably not, you know, I... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to hold you to it. Uh, I just that's exciting. I I do want to say one thing. So we have a block of rooms available at the hotel connected to the convention center. Okay. It's a really nice Sheridan. The convention center in Overland Park is super nice. If you're, I don't want to sound like I don't live in Johnson County. I don't live in Overland Park. I don't want to sound like a snob, but Overland Park in Johnson County in is one of the highest net worth areas in the United States. So it's a super nice area. The parking's great. The immediate areas, all this really nice stuff around it. I will tell you, you don't have to stay at the Sheridan. So I think the room for a king bed is 109 a night. There are literally like a dozen hotels in the immediate area, ranging from a Super 8 to a Best Western to a Holiday Inn all the way up. And there's tons of free parking in the convention center. So if the price of the hotel is off-putting you for whatever reason or you don't like staying at Sheridan's or whatever – I, I assure I'm banned you for Sheridan's. I can't stay. That they won't allow me to stay. I've been banned this whole thing. Yeah. Years ago. Uh, well, I will say I was actually looking up um, prices today, and there's one like across the street from uh, the convention center that had it was a king size bed and a sofa bed, and it was like eighty something dollars, I think, a night. Yeah, so, I, I mean, there really is a bunch of, and there, I think there's a Holiday Inn that shares the same parking lot, so. I, I, I'm trying to stress that because I look money is tight for everyone. I don't want people dropping. I mean, a, a four night stay in a hundred thirty dollar hotel room—that's a lot of money. Yeah. I don't expect people to come drop five hundred bucks on a hotel because I think that's absurd. Um, yeah, but uh, I, when I commit to a hotel, that's when I'll know for sure. That, sure. You know, but I, I'll probably I definitely want to get in probably on the um, the fifty dollar. Uh, early bird thing you know to save 10 bucks yeah right that's well, like that, another pack of dice or some uh magnetic bases you need for your uh game closet yes absolutely yeah got a ton of those don't have any magnetic bases anymore now um you've got me now down a rabbit hole with naval rules um i, I see it here it's actually admiraltytrilogy.com is where it's yeah. at and uh, we talked about on the show, there is a company that makes just straight-up counters uh, for miniature game, for naval miniature gaming, like for 3D, yeah, but it's just a counter, like you would have on a board game. They're just kind of big. Not I've like, ordered them. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's the same company, but basically it's on a piece of wood, and it was one eighteen hundred scale, which is what I want to play with, and so I ordered from a company called Panzer Something, some gray ships that I want to put on the counters. 
so I can actually tell my ships apart. But what's nice about this company is whatever the commands at sea starter scenario is, battle of whatever, you can order the battle of whatever pack. And it was like four bucks for these wooden one eighteen hundred scale ships. And you've got every ship that took part in that battle or everything you need to run that battle. And so it's pretty nice. I don't I don't remember what the name of the company was, though. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Post it in the show notes. Probably, most likely. Do you, do you play much? Do you play much naval stuff? Uh, no, it's just always interested me. You know, just uh, uh, that and uh, spaceship combat. I was gonna mention uh, one thing. If I go, I would try to find someone to do uh, Starfleet battles. Not pure Starfleet battles. Probably just Federation commander. Um, I mean, I, trust me, dude. If you guys that love ASL. Starfleet Battles is for you. It's basically ASL in space. There's just this, the same amount of rules. It's the, the complexity. It's all there. So yeah. Now, let me ask you this. What about, have you played or are you interested in Squadron Strike or Attack Vector? Um, I actually am sort of friends with uh, Ken Burnside. Um, yeah. I met him and uh, at Gen Con, a couple of Gen Cons ago, and... Um, because we had been corresponding back and forth uh, for a long time. We were kind of internet friends, and then I met him, and he did a demo for me with that, and I bought, um, as I am prone to do, uh, a bunch of stuff <laughs> off of him, including uh, miniatures, um, and when he just released the Traveler set, I bought that off of yeah. him. So um, I, I would be, I would play it for sure. Definitely be interested in that, too. It's a lot easier now that they have the app. You just kind of, oh, okay. I didn't. I didn't realize they had that. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, it's it it really makes you afraid if you're like not an engineer or math whiz in how to play this game because it's pure 3D. Your ship can be upside down and 1,400 feet above mine and 300 miles away and all this stuff. And there's a modifier for me to shoot at you. But um, so they spent a little money and came up with an Android app first, and I think that now they have an iOS app to just kind of make that part easy. I need to look into that because I'm into. Have you looked at that stuff, Rich? It's like the real, as real as you could be, space flight. So there's actual drifting and. Um, it sounds you know. fascinating, but I haven't I haven't even heard of that one. That's I'm, I would love to to see how that plays. I mean, obviously, once you put 3D in. How do you, how do you mark that on the table in a game like Red Storm or something? You've got you know elevation markers, and I think there's some other plane games where they have similar things. But I'd be curious to see how that works. He actually has the like these little things that you can 3D print on uh, that uh, yeah. show the height and the the facing and stuff of the ship. It's it's a whole thing. Huh. Um, yeah. Um, you could probably uh, there is an Ad Astra. Uh, Facebook group, you might be able to uh, find somebody to come out and demo that. I think he's in New York, you know, so he's not out in the Midwest. But, um, yeah. Uh, it's it's really interesting. I'll try to remember, I have my stuff at work, and uh, I'll post a picture on Twitter tomorrow of what I've got. Yeah, I'd bring that, and we could, you know, muddle our way through it or something like that. That'd be fun to do, because, that... you know, especially the Traveler stuff. Yeah, I I mean, it would be cool. I don't know if I could commit to it with trying to do this other stuff, but oh, yeah, sure, it is yeah. one of those things that it's like, all right, that that's perfect for a con. I want to take a stab at it. Um, 
but yeah, I'm gonna yeah, I'm not sure. I need about 300 feet to play it. Can you accommodate me? <laughs> bring it all stuff. Yeah, so there you go. Rent out a basketball gym. <laughs> just just for that game, that's all. Yeah. Just that one. So, yeah. Well, is there anything else we need to know about historic? I, I, the other thing I'm interested in is Kansas City Barbecue. Oh, man. Say what? Just don't even, if you swing by and pick up Rich on the way, just don't even stop at any St. Louis Barbecue. It's going to ruin any expectations you have for Kansas City. Okay, so, now now we need to fight. There is, within I, I wish, 10 minutes. Wish, oh, I'm not coming anymore. <laughs> too late. You're committed. Um, within 10 minutes, within like three miles of the convention center are three of Kansas City's best barbecue joints. Uh, Joe's, Q39, and Jack Sack. And they're all different experiences. From Joe's is you just wait in line and you go through the line and you get a sloppy-ass Z-Man and uh, it's great. Or like Jack Sack is a nice sit-down restaurant with glorious fancy barbecue. But uh, burn-ins are going to knock your socks off. Oh. You definitely have to get some barbecue when you come. I would murder someone for burnt-ins. I love those so much. Well, go to Joe's, Joe's? and get some burn-ins. Right. Because well, here's what I would do if I were you guys. I would come in, and for lunch, I would go do Joe's on Friday. Because Joe's, you can't do reservations. You can't save a table. You go through the line, and you grab your table once you have your tray. I would do Friday lunch because it's going to be the least busy then. Do they run out of burnt ends there? They they can. I think that's less of a concern than, like, 10 years ago. And yeah. they used to only do them on one day. I think right. now they do them all the time. It used to literally be, like, the stuff no one wanted, and then everybody liked them. And <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And then they started running out, so. But now they know people like them, so. For dinner, go do uh, Jack Stack with Dinners with Designers with Mitch. And then for lunch the next day, go back to Joe's because you'll want another Z-Man. And then I would go do Q39. Z-Man, so that's where Z-Man like... Games comes from, huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't know about that, but... <laughs> I'm going to say that. There really but... is a lot of... And there's other things outside of barbecue. I'm happy to give recommendations. Kansas City has a great food scene. And there's places – so where we're at is kind of right off the interstate. And it's pretty close to either the main vein down to downtown Kansas City if you wanted to go to the uh, Union Station World War One Museum or any of the bars or anything like that. Or anything – you're on the loop to go around Kansas City to get to other spaces. So. No. Yeah, I'm really excited – trip my my wife went to school outside of kansas city and we haven't been there since i think it was before we had kids maybe so it's been a while where'd she go to school at baker oh yeah sure yeah so yeah. i went i went to washburn and topeka and so baker's kind of in between um, okay Topeka and i mean it's near lawrence right it's right outside lawrence yeah it's in baldwin kansas i think right. yeah i think we talked about this last time i was up there though you mentioned it yeah now do you guys yeah, you, have you, like oh sorry no, I was going to say you could go do a Boulevard tour or a Tomstown tour or I mean I I don't know it's you know it's kind of right there by Fourth of July that's another reason we picked that weekend is if people really wanted to make a vacation out of that week after they could um, the Royals are in town um, the Negro Leagues baseball museum is top notch it's partnered with the Jazz Museum um, I mean I will get you plenty to do if you come to Kansas City and think you're going to be bored. I was gonna say, if you do, you guys have like a uh, public transportation. Like no. A, okay. Um, the the closest thing we have is the streetcar, which is more of kind of like a tourist attraction. The streetcar runs 
down Main Street in downtown. It'll basically take you from the World War One Museum to the, I don't know, probably 20 blocks. Now, there's plenty to do on those 20 blocks. You're going to go past Sprint Center, uh, past the like Performing Arts Center, past a whole bunch of bars and stuff. So the, But that's about as good as we get on public transportation. There's buses, but no, Kansas City is a commuter city for sure. I'm trying to think if there's anything else um, to mention about the convention. Um, the website's historicfest, H-I-S-T-O-R-I-K-C-Fest.com. I'm sure you'll put a link in the show notes. Sure, yeah. Uh, um, we've got the early bird registration running through the 10th, and after that, it's just normal registration. Feel free to ask any questions. We have a Facebook group. That's actually where I should mention that because that's where most of the announcements are coming you can get the link to the link off that website too. I bet you don't have a lot of problems with your hosting. <laughs> on on the website? Yeah. No, yeah. no, it's just uh WordPress or whatever. You gonna do t shirts? I don't know yet. So Rex was supposed to come up with something, so I need to get on and I'm like that. What I looked into and was really disappointed was I was trying to look at custom print Hawaiian t shirts. Because <laughs> uh, I think that'd be a lot cooler than just t shirts. Uh, with the Historic Fest logo, but it's either like you need to order five thousand or it's not op- it's not an option. So, I see. I've always <laughs> thought like um, MMP is missing out on I don't know a couple hundred bucks at least by not releasing. With your design? Well, yeah, not not re- <laughs> not releasing um, their maps uh, as like Hawaiian shirts, complete with hexes and everything. I you know guys would dig that and wear it to conventions, you know. Oh hell yeah! I mean, I yeah, I would in a heartbeat. So not yeah. just MMP either. There's a lot of there's a lot of good looking maps out there people could use. I would definitely rock the uh, the red barricades map. You know, you would yeah, oh. it wouldn't even repeat on a shirt. You know, no. So, yeah. You could you could print that on a Moo and still have <laughs> space to work with. Uh, hey, speaking of Hawaiian shirts, Kansas City also has Tiki Cat. So if you guys are Tiki fans at all, Tiki Cat is an awesome tiki bar. I, I would recommend. I am a yeah, uh, yeah a tiki cat. Oh, tiki cat! If you really are a tiki cat, I recommend it highly. I may even go with you. I will go with you if you want to. <laughs> okay, yeah, that place looks really, really cool. Yeah, and oh, it's, it, it's, it's weird awful. that it's in Kansas City and not Florida or yeah. uh, Hawaii or something. Yeah, you, have you ever listened to the uh, retro po- uh, retro cocktail hour? No. That's out of Lawrence. It's like a two-hour weekend show that plays um, tiki music and, like, weird 60s sci-fi music. It's actually – you can go listen to it online. I highly recommend it. But there's a pretty good tiki culture here. I don't know if it stems from the show or what, but – Interesting. It's called the Retro what? Retro Cocktail Hour. Just go spend 30 minutes. Do me this one thing and go listen to it. (laughs) <laughs> and just uh, listen to the music. The guy's totally trippy. He calls it the Martini Bunker, and he just plays some great bossa nova tiki music, and it's it's good stuff. Oh, nice from Kansas Public Radio. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, yeah, yes. Your, I'm, I'm like sister station, Adam. Uh huh. Yeah, we we don't really do cool stuff like this, but yeah, maybe we will one day. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, so here we are. And um, Rich is definitely going. I'm definitely going. Okay. Although, so here's actually a funny story. Um, my sister announced uh, over Christmas that she's getting married in June. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, 
I texted her. I'm like, look, I know it's your big day and everything, but not the last weekend. <laughs> so it's not going to be that weekend. I'll still be able to make it. Ugh, good. Hmm. You'll just tell her to get married in Kansas City. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. My wife's a photographer, so she, if she gets married in Kansas City, oh, you got a wedding photographer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you're definitely going. I'm, at this point, 86% going. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's looking good. So I'll, I'll add one more thing. You know, Roy, I, I don't know Roy. I've never spoken to Roy, but I get from the podcast that he's more of a Euro gamer. So I should add that all types of gameplay is open here. Um, if you want to come for three days and play Euro games, be be my guest. So, yeah, I wonder how far it would be for him from uh, mm-hmm. H- Holland, Michigan, way over there. I don't know, but uh, it's yeah, like I said, it's ten you hours. Get an airport, Kansas yeah, that's true. Uh, I forget not everybody's like me and afraid to fly, but yeah, okay. Good point. Good point. So, uh, all right, Matt. Well, thanks for coming on and. Um, if yeah, if this actually happens, we could po- yeah, possibly do some interesting, funny stuff at the convention. Go, yeah, go live. thanks. Thanks for uh, letting me come on and talk your ear off, both about the convention and useless shit like retro cocktail hour. <laughs> well, that's so. what we do. It's like you know, hey, I've got some questions about a game or whatever. It's like, well, let's just get the designer on and just ask him if he's willing to come <laughs> on. You know, hey, I gotta tell you guys, I know you got a lot of positive feedback about it, but the Doug Bush interview was solid. I really do mean that. Uh, I thoroughly I'm, enjoyed it. I'm crawling under fun. my desk. Uh, that's that's I that hate that interview so much for my own performance, <laughs> and I feel so terrible and inadequate about everything on that. And everybody's like, "Oh, that's the greatest thing ever!" Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I well, mean to be fair, we just Rich, have to Rich it great because of him. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, it was Rich. He did it. He, no, uh, it was Doug. He, he carried it. Yeah, but yeah, it was great. And uh. That, I think we've mentioned it before. He was like, he he's one of those guests. Every now and then we get guests that are like, what's a podcast? But, you know, he was like, really like, eh, okay, these are the rules, you know, going in and, and blah, blah, blah. So we were, kind of, I was kind of a little apprehensive that he might be a little stiff, but no, he was like, just boom, you know, just going in and yeah, sounded great. I wanted to buy his stuff and uh, yeah. So I ended up with a copy of Red Alert from my secret Krampus, who happened to have a Saint, who happened to have a St. Louis address, but I don't know who it was. That's weird. Um, (laughs) So I've only done one interview on the podcast, and uh, if you've listened, it's kind of like because I get busy with the baby is the only reason I'm doing interviews. But Mitch was my first interview, and Mitch was currently hiring painkillers at the like he just had back (laughs) surgery. I was like, you sure you want to do it this weekend? But he was great. So. I was also nervous because, like, I don't know how this is going to go. I've never done an interview. But, no, you guys did great. I, I really did enjoy it. I normally don't like interviews is why I bring it up, even though I, I did one myself. Um, I, I tend to skip them on podcasts just because I usually don't care, to be honest. Well, you know, it's uh, we, I always laugh, like, all the freaking people, all the freaking people that um, – retweeted that and posted the link it went everywhere and all the way they all listed like the actual interview is from this to this <laughs> so you don't hear them yeah. talking about kid rock and all this other dumb stuff <laughs> all right matt well i guess we'll say good night and uh we'll continue on and i'll post some stuff on twitter um tomorrow for you with um the ad astra stuff that i've got and uh yeah yeah i, I hope to make it out i hope to 
meet some nice folks and stuff like that. And um, yeah, if I actually do make it, I, I, I'll do uh, on my own end. You don't have to worry about it, man. I'll do the uh, dinner with a podcaster, and uh, we'll go to um, <laughs> White Castle or some shit. Oh, we don't have White Castle. You got to pick again. You don't have White Castle in KC? Nope. Yeah. Okay, I I just because we don't have them down here, I always think that. As now I need to know where thing. the line is. Do you have a? Um, do you have Carl's? I don't think it's in Columbia. I think St. Huh. Louis for a long time was the closest. Sorry, Adam. Okay. Know. Do you have Carl's Jr.? We have Hardee's. Oh, really? We have Hardee's down here. I always think of that as a northern thing. Yeah, I think it's kind of a northern and western thing. We have uh, Freddy's, which I bet you guys don't have. Nope, never heard of that. No. Okay, so Freddy's is a Kansas chain. And it's um, steak burgers, but it's pretty good. Hmm. Okay, so if you don't have White Castle, maybe you have Crystals? Nope. All right, damn it. You got Taco Bell? We do. <laughs> okay. Maybe you know, I'm pretty it. jealous of the White Castle thing. So when I was in – you can tell me to shut up whenever. I'm, I'm on a roll now. <laughs> uh, when I was in college, I was in a fraternity, and I don't want to, you know – give a bad reputation to fraternities is really rewarding, but uh, we were the only wet fraternity on campus. And so I became quite the fan of Natty Light. And to this day, my go-to light beer is Natural Light. Love it. Still my go-to. I saw a deal where White Castle's running a 30 sliders and a 30 rack of Natty Light for 30 bucks. No way. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Wow. I about like, what a deal. Could you imagine being in college and getting 30 hamburgers and a 30 rack on a weekend? Like, man. That would be really cool. Kids have it good these days. I know, right? Well, anyway, Matt, thanks for coming on. And uh, we got to do this again and just hang out and talk about what, whatever dumb stuff. We'll talk more about um, naval gaming. Because I, I want to say my unfinished thought from that was uh, I have some, uh, what is it, Great War at Sea? By Avalanche Press. Does that sound right? It's a board game. Uh, no, because here's the deal. I really only got into Naval in like the last three weeks, four weeks, whatever. Okay. I had no interest until I read that book. Mm. Give it time. And now I'm in. Yeah. Go do like I do. Just hump. Just jump in full. Full oh, feet. Trust me, I have. I've got an ASL shelf, and <laughs> I could I could stop buying stuff right now and not play the rest of my games the rest of my life. Oh, I know. I know that feeling. Do you have Blue Water Navy? Did you get that? I just got it. I just got yeah. it. I bought it. Um... Joel Toppin's been posting pictures of it yeah. everywhere, and it's making me want to get it. <laughs> he sold the pants off of it. Um, I think they're sold out. You may want to check NWS, but um, AGR Sales, a great rooster sales, is a great guy for Compass, you know. All right, Matt. Well, I guess we'll uh, – yeah, we're all in Central Time, aren't we? Yeah. 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 Okay, just, okay, well, if you guys ever want to hang out, not as a podcast, or whatever, sh play the game and shoot the shit or whatever. I definitely want to play a game with you on Vassal or something like that. We need yeah, to figure out something absolutely. to play. Yeah, I could just like watch and run commentary the whole time. We could even stream it out to Twitch. It might be funny. Sure. Uh, well, I'm, I'm game. We can do. We can find some of the three or four players too. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. All right. I I do. In all seriousness, I appreciate you guys giving me the time to come on and talk about the convention. It's oh, uh, no I've gotten a lot of support from people like you guys and just retweeting and tweeting out things to support it, which has been really uh, humbling and nice. So Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we just had questions. You had answers, so there you go. <laughs> all right, and boys. I do have U.S. Civil War on my table right now, Matt. We're starting the uh, full campaign game tomorrow night. Ooh, baby. So you guys played the 1862 turn? 
We did. We just we played 1862, then we re- reset, and we're going to play the whole thing. I'm going to, you know, on your on your, uh, on your your last episode, you talked about giving one guy the east and then the Trans-Mississippi and west to the other guy. So yes, I've split it up a few different west. times. What you may want to consider, and it, mm-hmm. I guess it depends on how your game goes, you may want to give the eastern player the Trans-Mississippi. That's an interesting idea. Just because the Here's, West the West gets really busy, I I think I've always found that the West has more activity, but I mean yeah, you there's could a lot have a going really on in the West because you gotta especially once you you because you gotta drive down through Tennessee and yeah, that's an interesting idea. And I mean I, my, my only and this this has nothing to do with who does what, but the there's three of us and the guy that I'm splitting the North with, he's a very passive player. And I'm really trying to push him to be more aggressive. Oh, give him so, the East. He can play. He does, well, he does have the East, which is why I gave him that. I'm like, just <laughs> just build your fort in DC. You'll be happy. But <laughs> he's I will tell. Passive. So Mitch and I played the 1861 turn with just. I think Mitch is playtesting the second edition rules, so we just wanted a quick. Um, oh, is that why you wanted to play with you? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to make sure he's up to speed on everything. Okay. Um, so I'm usually pretty passive in that game as the North, which you, you can't be. You really actually need to be pretty aggressive. Oh, yeah. I would tell you as the Eastern player to force bull, bull run on the opening turn. I'll have to look at the map and see. Fact. Opening <laughs> attack in the East, right especially if you get the, the initiative. <laughs> All right, let's see. Oh, it's so good. I love I love that game. So you're taking so the just west. what like just move into Manassas and and force him to react to you or what? Yeah, either okay. he'll come down with Johnston because Johnston yeah. gets that intercept, like the improved intercept on turn one, um, right. which is probably fine. But if he doesn't, so Mitch put my Mitch cut Johnson off basically. He basically cut off the whole valley by leaving Johnson there because once Johnson's there and once you've driven down, I'm not looking at the map right now, but you can kind of see he was able to swing some guys through West Virginia and really cause some uh, concerns. Because yeah. once you split the Confederate forces... only two hexes away from Manassas also. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. No point. Adam, I, I know you, uh, you, <laughs> you haven't played. I'm telling you, I, I say in tongue-in-cheek all the time that U.S. Civil War is one of my favorite war games because it forces the same dis- like indecision because you only get so many activations there's a million things you want to do but you can only do two of them and none of them really work out how you want because <laughs> it's just good stuff i love it, love it's, love it. it's sandboxy i mean it is yeah it was funny though because the first time i played it um i didn't realize i don't know how i missed this i didn't realize there were four action cycles so you know i took like, i did the my- same thing I, I took like two or three actions or whatever it was. I'm like, crap, that's all I get to do for the whole turn. <laughs> and then my friends came over and like, no, you do that four times. Oh, that makes a lot more sense then. I missed the same rule. So our first play, <laughs> we like, blew, I was like, how does this game take so long? Like, we're <laughs> yeah. clipping three years like nothing. <laughs> it, it, it's good. Are you, you guys are doing standard Navy? No, we're doing advanced rules. Mm, I'm not a, that big a fan of the advanced rules, but. Oh, really? I also I, like I both the like them and dislike them. I love the idea of like you have these ironclads and stuff, like that's super cool. But also it kind of just gets in the way. But yeah. You'll, I mean I think you'll still enjoy it. I obviously yeah. still love it in the way. But 
I don't think we're going to play with salt rules. That's optional. I oh, think yeah. The regular advanced rules. So. Oh, nice. Good stuff. Yeah. Is Who's all playing? I'm going to... Uh, me, Bruce, and Mick, who... Bruce, okay. You, yeah, you met Bruce when you were... Right, here. right, yep. I don't think you met Mick, so... Oh, hey, we need to talk about that. Uh, you need to give Bruce a hard time for not signing up yet. Bruce says, oh, yeah, I'll talk to him tomorrow night. Yeah. Bruce, Bruce is Bruce Barbecue? Yes. Well, now he's Vertical Wargamer, but yeah, that's it. Oh, okay, that's him. I thought I had a new friend. Oh, damn it. It's funny, because I thought I did, too, and... <laughs> Until I saw until I saw him post a picture from my game room, I'm like, "What? Oh, that's you." That's. I also thought it was someone. I was like, "Who the hell is a vertical war gamer?" And then I remember Bruce talking about getting the magnetic counters. It's like, "Oh, well, that's because he he kind of gone silent for a little bit. Like I didn't see any notifications. Yeah. Like, yeah. who is that? That's funny. All yeah, right, I'll, I'll be posting I'll add that AAR. The show. I'll be posting an AAR this every week on Twitter, like I did with USC. So oh, good. Yeah, you know what's funny is you say that, but you could very well. All right, so I played the game a handful of times. I, I was playing with a guy and I was teaching in the game, and I got really cute and I drove the Cumberland Gap with um, with Grant, and yeah. then before I know it, he had driven up through the valley, through Shenandoah Valley, through West Virginia, and was into Ohio with, I think it was Longstreet. It may have been Jackson. Anyways, the game was over. I think before we got to 1862, it may have been 1862. So like six turns in, not because of the automatic, I couldn't keep up. Basically he was able to force my pace to be too slow by capturing one town in the North. And it's like, well, shit, that's it. Okay. We're done. I love that mechanic. The sort of moving goal coat, goal posts. You know, that's in, that's in Stalingrad. That's in Stalingrad 42. Is it? Yeah. Man. Oh, man. Stalingrad 42 is my favorite game God. of the year. It was so oh, good. I got to get that. I mean, that's my favorite series. Oh, and this to me, this is the best entry. Yeah. Huh. What that's series? Better than, what is that? What series? Uh, it doesn't really have an official name. You can call it the Zokban series or the Semenich operational series. Oh, it's, okay. I remember you talking Europe, about that. Yeah. Europe 4X or whatever you want to call it. It's Holland 44, Arden 44. Normandy, 44, Ukraine, 43, but now Stalingrad, 42. It's, it's called Stalingrad, right? Yeah, Stalingrad. Have you, yeah. have you played those, Adam? Uh, no. Okay. no. No. They're, I am they're familiar pretty, with them. I learned, I learned, that was one of the first games I played, probably like the third or fourth war game I played. It was pretty, I made a ton of mistakes, but it was, it was good. All right, I'm going to let you guys go. I've kept you way too long, but I enjoyed the talk. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. We'll Bad do this again. Yeah, I guess I'll see you in May, Rich. Yes, uh, we'll see you then. I'll probably yeah. see you Tuesday night. <laughs> one, one more thing, one more thing before I say this. Uh, so Mitch is coming next weekend. Coming um, up to KC? Yeah, he's going to do uh, the thing I talked about, Fort Leavenworth. He's doing a next war day at Fort Leavenworth at the command. Oh, cool. Uh, college, and then the next day he's going to come to our game group, and then I think we're going to go to the World War One Museum on Sunday because there's a Vietnam exhibit right now. Oh, that's cool. We're actually yeah. we're meeting a week early, so we're meeting this Saturday this month because there's like a Magic the Gathering thing in Miniature Market. So, ah, screw gonna, those guys. I'm gonna play, uh, yeah. I'm gonna play 1870, Matt. Be my first 18xx game. Which one are you playing? 1870, I think. I haven't played that. That's I've your... only played like four or five titles. So yeah, that's your first one, Rich. 
My first 18XX came out. Yeah, my uh, friend Christopher is a fiend for the 18XX series. Yeah. I've tried to get into it. It's too much stock management for me. <laughs> so you should play like 1846 because that's significantly less stock management. All right. I uh, I had a lot of fun. This was good. I know. I learned a lot. <laughs> good night, Matt. Good night, Adam. Guys. See, See you guys. guys. And we're back through the magic of editing. Just fantastic. Love that. It's awesome. And, just um, flew right by. Just Yeah, just, so, yeah this okay, is going to be a so, long episode. So, just a minute, i got to finish my sandwich. Okay. So through the okay. magic of time travel, and since we recorded that interview a few days ago, I'm pretty sure that you guessed that his secret guest would be Mark Simonich. Now, I might be completely wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what your guess was. And he did announce today that his secret guess is indeed going to be Mark Simonich. So he was I like, thought that was pretty cool. He, yeah, if, if that's right, he, he was like, holy shit, I have to announce it today before the fucking yeah. episode comes out. Because <laughs> I, I remember him reacting weird. Because I, yeah. I just threw it out. I was like, yeah, it's it Mark You know, if I said that, I don't know. I can't remember. I'll know when I edit this. And, you know, I threw it out there and he was just like, no, I, I can't say. And so, yeah. So, anyway. And to be fair, Roy, he does want you to come too. Oh, all right. Yes, he actually he talked love... about it about you, yeah. your your travel, how you would come over, and um, yeah. So, it's a good interview. We'll see. All right. Uh, the next thing in actual news in our advanced squad leader heavy podcast that we're doing it today. Is. I it, like it. it really really is. Um we're, the two, we're catching up on the two half squads. I know, right? <laughs> uh interestingly enough that you you mentioned them. This is um I found this interesting cuz you know, I I look, I'm attracted to industry gossip like, you know, a moth to a flame. And this is the designer's response to the desperation morale review of Forgotten War. Yes. And do you know who Mark Pukavich is? I do not, sir. Okay. I mean, he's a huge name in ASL. He runs the Desperation Morale website. Um, they've got tons of player aids, and he's come up with all these handy charts and everything. He's been on the Two Half Squads podcast multiple times. I mean, he's a big name in ASL. So, I, honestly, I didn't even read his review until I saw the response to his review mostly because I was never that interested in Forgotten War. Um, just because, I don't know, I, yeah, yeah, I can't buy everything ASL, and it just didn't jump out at me. So, um, I mean, I, I read his review, and I read the response, and that's fine. He, there's things he doesn't like about it, and the designer gives reasons for the reason he did things. Um, you know, it's one of those situations where I feel like, if you guys seen Fiddler on the Roof, no. Yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> there's a scene where two guys are arguing, and the one guy's called in to sort of settle the argument. He goes, you're right. And then the other guy gives his argument. He goes, you're right. And a third guy goes, they can't both be right. And he goes, you're right, too. And I, I kind of <laughs> feel that way about this. I mean, they both get their points. It's fine. The one thing I will say about ASL, though, is, and, and I'm not accusing Mark Pekavich of this, but... There are people out there that think it's some sort of extreme military simulation game because the rules are so big and there's so much in there. It's still a game and it's still going to be, you know, whatever the designer wants it to be. And if if the hills don't match up the way you want them to match up and if if the Chinese troops don't 
act the way you want them to act, eh, I mean, it's the designer's decision. Hmm. So, yeah, I put this on here because I knew, you know, desperation morale is like a really big ASL thing. Yeah. They, they keep telling me to stop submitting that shirt I made, that they're not going to put, <laughs> put it in the museum. I think they were threatening legal action last night. or something about a restraining order. I don't know. I mean, you can't just give somebody a restraining order for emailing you, can you? Anyway, and uh, so, and then I learned that Kenneth, Kenneth Katz, was a member of the design team for, you know, the the uh, Forgotten War module. I honestly always wondered how that worked, you know, because I don't hear anybody talk about, oh, the designer of Advanced Squad Leader was Jim Bob, so-and-so, you know. So, yeah, I, and so I guess I wasn't too surprised to hear that it was a team. And so, you know, just interesting that it was the critique, because, you know, you kind of figure, and maybe MMP did too, that... Whenever they put out stuff like that, places like, you know, the Two and a Half Squads or whatever will just, you know, rubber stamp it. Like, oh, this is great. It's, it's another ASL thing. Yay. But um, it's interesting. Um, I, you know, I read about halfway through. The, the main thing is I'm not that familiar enough with the game to really understand it. But I do appreciate the fact that they're that detailed in a critique. It's yeah. So, it's so much better than just going like, oh, this is terrible because it has a woman in it or you know whatever you yeah. know it's to actually go through and critique design is i'm impressed and it's also it's not like he's saying oh the u.s units are 665s and they should be 664s this is stupid yeah so, so yeah i mean he he's got his reasons for his critiques and the designer has his reasons for the way he did it so okay yeah the next thing we had was armchairgeneral.com did their best games reviewed in uh, 2019. And these are just ones that they reviewed and the ones that scored the highest. And I just wanted to toss it on here because the last 100 yards is on here. I was also very surprised that Sales of Glory four ship packs were on here. And I, I don't know. That was just weird to me because it was just a small release and yeah whatever and um, but they got a hundred percent reviews so. i know right <laughs> um uh and they did mention v commandos on here and yeah. i i'm hearing a lot of good things about that as like a really fun board game to play it's it's okay i played it last year i mean it's 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 definitely beer and pretzels you know it's it's not deep um it's kind of weird because, you know, you send guys in and they die and you just send someone else in. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like you've got like a team waiting at the door, waiting for someone to die so the next guy can go in. But it was fun. It was a it was a Kickstarter game, I think. Yes. I, um, but I, sure. I, I did play that last year. Uh, they also have Panzer IV, the France 1940. Yeah. I, and I should get that to the table. I have that, but haven't played it yet. Uh, the big thing that came out in Panzer IV, I mean, besides, that's the French one, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, besides the French units was also a, a solo system came out for Panzer, which, again, I haven't played yet, but it's on my shelf of shame. Is it a, um, what you call it, a, uh, an actual, bo another box that you have to get to do it solo, or is it just well, a download? The, the, the solo system comes in the Panzer IV box. The the solo system for all of Panzer comes in the Panzer IV box. 
Oh, okay. In, in the fourth edition of Panzer. Yes. Okay. It's not the fourth edition. It's the fourth expansion. Fourth. Oh, so it's yeah. in there in the French box. Correct. Okay. All right. Cool. So if you only have Panzer and the fourth expansion, you have the solo system and the base game. Awesome. That is yeah. me. That is me right here. Yes, I have, <laughs> that is me. All right. Awesome. So um, I think the only other thing on here that I was more interested in was, uh, again, they put uh, Conflict of Heroes, Storms of Steel, Curse, 1943. This is the third edition of it. And, um, yeah, with new art maps. And, dadgum, I need to order that. I may do that uh, this week. But it becomes like the weird thing because I've never found myself going like I just need one board game that I you know didn't pre-order or whatever. So where do I go? I guess Miniature Market would possibly yeah. I, I wish it would be on like Amazon or something where I could at least get a break on uh, shipping. Yeah. I get, yeah. When I go to like Miniature Market or whatever, I, I get to the be like, well, what's the free shipping thing? Do I really want to order one hundred and fifty dollars worth of stuff and blah 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 and yeah, you know, I don't know. Not to mention they have Kursk 43, and then they also have uh, Awakening the Bear, which was the original first one. This is the third edition of it. I don't know which one I would rather get. So. Right. Although Awakening the Bear is 63, the other one's 56. I guess I could order them both, and they'd be shipped free. Pick them up on your way through St. Louis in June. Uh, yeah, it's still to hold it. <laughs> put, put it behind the counter. Yeah. Put it behind the counter. I'm going to drive through there. I'll pick them yeah. up for you, and no. I'll punch them and play them for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that reminds me. I actually put uh, a game. If you follow me on Twitter, you can see it. Um, I actually punched and set up the first scenario, a little spot I've got uh, set up. And, uh, yeah, it was just me punching it was just brutal, just how horrible they look. I'm like, oh, my God, should I get a, <laughs> should I get a counter clipper? Like, this is going to give people chest pains that see this. <laughs> And uh, what I punched, I think, was, um, what is it, that tactical squad-level game? Uh, is it Band of Brothers, uh, the their, the base game for that? Oh, okay, yeah. Which, is that Worthington? I can't remember who does that. I don't think Band of Brothers is Worthington. Oh, shit. I, I have it, just not Worthing here. It is done by Band of Brothers, Screaming Eagles, that's it. It is done by Jim Cron. Did it. Worthington? It is Worthington. Yeah, I did not know that. They did. It doesn't that. feel like a Worthington game to me. Yeah, and oh yeah, I forgot this was a Kickstarter. This is one I picked up at the Ding and Dent um, thing that we were at. So yeah, they have a bunch of games out for this. You know, I would really like to spend some time uh, actually going over all the different squad level games squad level World War 2 games that are available because there are a shitload and it seems like every two or three years somebody tries to come out with a new one you know, Our to top, get... top 500 ranking of World War 2 tactical games <laughs> you know where it's, it's like well we're like ASL only we're easier <laughs> you know or whatever but I don't know it's just yeah there's a bunch uh, the next thing we had... Hey, hang on. Yes, we are. are we? As okay. far as I know. And see, uh, I actually mentioned this in that, that interview was like, that was my first time using this new a new version of the, the Skype software recording that I use. And okay. um, 
yeah, it's counting down. I can tell you the uh, the file size, but is it actually working? I don't know. I okay. won't know I just tomorrow. Because I started the call, and normally I don't. So That's true. That is very okay. true, but I think it'll right. be all right. I'm, I'm, I'm good now. And, you know, I will say, busting makes you feel good, so they say. <laughs> uh, the next thing we had was the first look at the Elder Scrolls A Call to Arms miniatures. Have you guys played Skyrim? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh this is neat. Um to me they uh yeah, my local shop's gonna carry it. Uh there's a lot of fiddly bits in it and um I'm curious to see how it plays. I'm not that big into the IP though, to be like, Oh man, I've gotta pick this up. So I don't know. I I'm curious to see how it did would do. You know, I've said stuff like this before, and then, you know, ones like the Fallout miniature game, you know, it's not that big. I mean, it the, the stuff looks really cool and all that, but it's just, yeah, not that big. I don't know. We'll see, though. Uh, I wonder if they're trying to get people that, like, play the the video game into miniature gaming. You know? mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, speaking <laughs> of Fallout, I'm, I'm going to insert a news item here. I heard that the... Uh, um... Fallout RPG is in beta testing right now. I swear I thought there was one that was already out, but okay. I guess not. I know they've done a couple of board games. Yeah. You know, they, there is a board game, and one of you guys played it, I thought. No? No. Okay. Not me. No. Um, there's a board game, and then there's the miniature game. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, they're working on the RPG. Is it done by Morphetus? Modifius? It Modi- might be. Modifius? Uh, you're, yes. on here. you're on here, yes. Roy. I can't pronounce anything. That's what reminded me. Modifius. Is the seeing, seeing Modifius, yep. Yeah. So I guess if that works, it won't be too long before there's a Skyrim role-playing role game, and yeah, so that'd be cool. <laughs> I believe that's called D&D. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> the I next... did that one time for my daughter when she was younger, and she just wanted to play an RPG, but not with a group or anything. And she didn't know anything about Skyrim, so I just I just walked her through Skyrim as a D and D game. Oh, like, here, right. play this. It'll be yeah, awesome. I didn't I didn't need to plan anything. I just sort of narrated where you go in Skyrim, and <laughs> mm-hmm. she had a good time. The next thing we had, uh, you mentioned Thingverse uh, earlier, and I've mentioned this before. You know the you guys know the game we've mentioned, U Boot. Yes. I haven't played it, but I know it. Uh, Well, a guy, there was some questions about uh, copyright and this, that, and the other. Anyway, it's finally all settled, and a guy has made a uh, 3D-printed version of the game board instead of that chintzy cardboard. So, yeah. And I'll link this in the show notes. It is the U-Boot board game model. I think it would be great for, like, pulp gaming and stuff, too, if you really wanted to. I mean, the interior isn't that detailed, but, you know, whatever. You could run through with your Indiana Jones guy and kill Nazis, whatever you need to do. Looks nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I still want to play this game. ConflictSimulations.com lists the 11 most influential war games of the last decade. I'm Rich, I was going to pick your brain because, you know, I don't play this stuff. but Yeah, you... we we had a conversation about this on another forum, and it's... Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's very personal. Um, on this particular list, a um, couple of things join out, jump out at me. The coin system, I think, definitely deserves to be on that list. But, you know, whether you call it 
and the abyss as the first game in the coin system or just the system in general very influential last decade um he also has undaunted on here which came out like five months ago so yeah i, I, I was thinking that too with that. <laughs> <laughs> um i you know prisoner of the moment or whatever but then he also has a few acres of snow which we just talked about so deck building war games but then why include both of them um other games on here churchill um yeah interesting although it seemed like did twilight struggle came out in the last decade i i would put that over churchill as a more influential game um I don't know. I mean, some of the most influential games for me were, were definitely the coin system. Um, the next war system has been very influential. I mean, I think, and this, it just it does such a good job of uh, of creating a different feel to warfare. You know, it's it's not just like putting World War II out there with with newer planes and newer tanks and stuff. It feels very different, and it gets even better as he. It, releases the new uh the new expansion uh, not expansions but the supplements you know he's got cyber war and stuff like that i mean things that were just not a thing in previous wars and are a major part of current wars so um obviously asl very influential to me even though it didn't come out in the last decade so i don't know i mean the the lists are always fun to look at and argue about i think arguing about them is, is half the fun well, I was impressed with two things on here. One, I haven't played, but everybody says is great, is Supply Lines of the American Revolution. Yeah, that's another one that I haven't played and I would like to. But I don't know how much I would play it, so I really want someone else to buy it so I can play it. <laughs> and uh, the other one was big to me was Guns of Gettysburg. I, I want to own it, and I have previously owned the uh, the Napoleonic version, and I wish yeah. I had I had not sold. Uh, I just love. I, I honestly don't know how it plays, but I absolutely love the art direction in it. I love pushing around the little. It's not really a block. It's you know it actually looks like you know I'm planning something on a map. It just looks really really cool. So yeah, I was glad to see that on there. So. It's just different, and I had no idea that um, he mentions in the thing that it was Bowen Simmons, who is female and a war game designer. I, you know, that's kind of, yeah. Uh, the other <laughs> one was Napoleon, Napoleon's Triumph, and then she also did Bonaparte at Maregno. I can't pronounce that. Yeah, Napoleon's Triumph. If I had not um, <laughs> sold it, it's currently going for like 400 bucks. So, yeah, there you go. Anyway, yeah, I just yeah, I just think that's kind of a rare bird, the female war game designer. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe there's like tons of them and they're all out there and yeah. I don't know. But I don't think so. And so, uh da, 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 da. this is a huge show, so I get lost as to like where we <laughs> freaking are. Um Kickstarter. Tom Castle. Yes. This a lot of people have some strong opinions about the Dice Tower doing a Kickstarter. And well, you uh, love Kickstarters. I know. I love Kickstarters. And um, they wanted 200 grand 
They got 19 days to go as of this podcast, and they're almost up to a quarter of a million dollars. Um, yeah, there are a lot of people that have some very strong opinions about this. I I think number one is how come Tom just can't afford to do whatever it is he's trying to do. Well, what are they even trying to do here, Rich? I've, I've I've been so annoyed that I haven't even read it. Is is it just oh, for like? Oh, you ask me, huh? Yeah, is it just like just operating costs for a year? You know, that's, that's... what I understood. I mean, it's the okay. same thing you ask about from time to time, except that they're getting two hundred and forty thousand dollars. That is that's true. What, that's do, what you get, right? <laughs> I will do this next month for two hundred and fifty dollars. That's what I'll do. Fuck it. Let's do let's do a um let's do a Kickstarter. Then I could totally do this, where I could I could do dice like they're basically extra ones I have. Uh, I could write a Gloomhaven scenario; it would be terrible. Um, uh, I, actually, I could just like go to like the dollar store and buy like stuff and like give that as like things. So, uh, that poker would be, chips. Yes. Yeah. Be, I'm gonna try that. It'd be funny and stupid. Um, I mean, I think. One of the many differences between us and them is that, I mean, this is their full-time job, so they're raising money for the videos that they do, and, I mean, this is their job, so. I guess so. Since our show gets the majority of its funding from Kickstarter campaigns every year, we have six full-time employees and two part-time employees. I mean, holy shit. I mean, I I can't imagine, like, doing this for a living and actually (laughs) having, you know, that large of a staff. I mean, that is true, but, I mean, on another hand, you know, I mean, I guess this is how you, how you do it. This is how you actually make it. You get people to donate money to you. And a lot of the criticism I've read on this is like, well, when they, you know, if, if Tom can't make it, then what chance do the rest of us have, you know, to, to actually be able to do this and do it for a living? And, yeah. and on the other hand, it's like for every, you know, $15 you're donating to Tom, that's money that I don't get. And that is me saying I as in the person that is complaining, you know, that Tom is doing this. Um, I think one other criticism on here was I think there's a level where you can actually be on the show or something. Oh, those are always the worst. You know, maybe... I mean, no shit. I, not that, you know, I wouldn't knock it. <laughs> you know, it was like, hey, you want to give me two grand? You could, you could be right here on the show. No problem sitting I right mean, next to you me. You wouldn't knock it, but like if you were if you were listening to a show or, or watching a video or whatever, and I'm not going to say you, I'll say me. If I'm listening to a show or watching to a video and they have a special guest and it's a guy that donated money, I'm skipping that one. Hmm. <laughs> this is Rich. He donated money to get here. <laughs> Click. Yeah. I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> for $275 lunch at Gen Con, you can join the Dice Tower staff. Alright, we will be going to a nearby Japanese restaurant. Does that mean I have to pay for my own food? I or just want to know. go to Historic Fest and have dinner with a designer for oh, no, no, no. just Remember, the price of dinner. <laughs> I was going to do, uh, yeah, 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 because, yeah, you just pay your own way there, and you just get to sit down next to Mitchell Land. and Yeah, and just, or Mark, or... Right. Uh, so, yeah, I wanted to do, what uh, was it, dinner with a podcaster where we go to, you know, I can't find a cheap plug, go to McDonald's or something. Except for dinner with the podcast, you probably have to pay for the dinner. Cause yeah, I'll, it. I'll get you a Happy Meal. That's what, what it is. You get a Happy Meal for that. 
But, uh, no, nah, I don't see that on here. But, uh, yeah, you get breakfast at Gen Con. It's $50 cheaper. They're going to the fucking hotel buffet in the Hyatt, Hyatt Regency for $200 fucking dollars. Jeez Louise. Ah, <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, I mean, I guess more power to them. I mean, if you ask for, you know, 200 grand and people give you 250 you know, I guess, yeah, whatever. Just, as I, I guess I'm okay with it as long as you actually do something with it. Instead of just taking their money and running. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, it's just asking for 10, 12, 15 bucks, you know, here and there. And you get, you get stuff. But, yeah. I don't know. It just, it still seems weird to me. It seems wrong, but I can't quite point out the reason why it's wrong. Like, I guess, again, you know, if Tom can't make yeah. it on, like, ad revenue or whatever. I guess... What, if if there's a reason I think it's wrong, and I'm necessarily saying it is, but why would you do Kickstarter instead of Patreon? Seems like that's what Patreon is for, is ongoing expenses to support. Yeah. But Kickstarter seems like a one-time thing, but I don't know. It, are they doing one Kickstarter a year? I don't Apparently, know. Apparently, yeah. yeah. I mean, not to mention, you've got to think, uh, what is it? Kickstarter takes, what, like 10%? You know, out of this, well, whatever no, it is, it, they they take a chunk, which is going to be twenty four thousand dollars. <laughs> I know, they're like yeah. ching, yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking at the uh, at the various pledge levels here. Two thousand dollars, go to Miami, and play, uh, have a game day at Dice Tower headquarters. You get to pick the games. One of these has been sold. And I, I think that this person that's, that bought this, I think Rich bought this. I, so I we can, can play six yeah. hours of Brave Little Belgium with Tom Basil. <laughs> that would be good. Make over him, and over make and over him play again. play ASL, or no, like Boos and Memo. I always go back to that one, the the boob matching game from, um, <laughs> yeah, Board Game Geek. Oh, yeah. How's that? How's your Kickstarter going on that one? I should do that. I keep saying I'm going to do it, but I never do. Yeah, where it's just man boobs. I think yep. that'd be hysterical. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yam bag. <laughs> no, knuckle. just 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 man boobs. Because okay. that's legal. You could play that anywhere. <laughs> um, it's, it's it's nice. It's legal. It's in, it's inoffensive. It's just man boobs. It's it's sort of funny. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, the next thing we had was the Players' Aid did their 15 most influential from the past decade, most influential war games, and I thought this was a little better than the other one. Yeah, uh, I like this list better. I mean, in in that, it, if I was going to sit down and take the time and effort to do this, mine would look more like this one. I do like the addition of, uh, he's got Mound Builders on here. I did too. I have, I have not played that, but I have played Ottoman Sunset, which is another States of Siege game. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. It's fun. I, it's a it's a small game that I can play quickly, solitaire, and I definitely think that deserves to be on the list. I like it there, even now that I think Victory Points Games didn't they just didn't they die last year? Did they die? I don't yeah, know. I thought did didn't they go out of business last year? I think they did. Don't know. As as we slander victory point games, yeah, <laughs> they're we'll like motherfuckers. We have so mount, they did mound builders. I just like that. Uh, that I don't think it was them. Someone went out of business last year, wasn't that? But yeah, they they do the Stasis Siege games. So I see Churchill's uh, cigar smoking self is on here again. 
Yeah, he's on there again. Supply Lines, the American Revolution is on there. I like seeing Root on there as a war game. I love it. <laughs> Maybe Churchill's good. What kind of game is it? I don't even know. I've played it. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I don't want to own it, but I would play it again. Um, it's, um, gosh, I don't it's hard to describe, actually, which is maybe why people keep putting on their influential list. So you play the three leaders. Um, you play Churchill, Stalin, and Roosevelt. And you're, but the war is just kind of in the background. What you're really debating about is political issues that will happen after you win the war. So the war is just kind of in the background, and there are things you do where you have to make advances and stuff. So you, you have to win the war in order for to win the game. Um, but the war is just kind of there and it's, it's the other stuff that really matters. Probably the most important, uh, aspect of the scoring of that one is whoever wins at the end, if they win by too much, then the second player wins because basically if that happened, then, and this, I think this is what they're kind of saying happened historically is, is Stalin won by too much which caused Roosevelt and Churchill to ally against him. Hmm, okay. And if you've played uh, Pericles, I think that is similar, uh, very similar game from what I hear, but I haven't played that one, so. Pericles, Pericles. Yeah. Uh, I was impressed that Winter Thunder was on here, number one, because it's from Tiny Battle. You know, they don't get enough credit for what they do, in my opinion. And also, and also because Winter Thunder is a remake of a game that I bought called Autumn Mist, The Battle of the Bulge. And I have been meaning to, like, give it to you, I think. Um, it's in a, like, a little tin. I got it from a shop um, a couple years ago in Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, and, yeah. Uh, I had no idea that it was this nice, critically acclaimed game, but, you know. It's yeah. It's, I think it's one I've been meaning to mail to you. Yeah, and Last Hundred Yards is on there, which is another one that came out last year. So uh, I like it. I I agree that it's at least to some degree game changing. I don't know that I would put it on a best of the decade list. Old school tacticals on there. I own it, and I, I mean based on components alone, I really think it's cool. I really need to actually play it, and also from are known they don't it's not flying pig does that one uh yeah it is it's another flying yeah, pig is. game yeah. uh armageddon war i thought might be fun it just has a really cool you know yeah it's got a good it. look to it but i don't know <clears throat> anyway uh on to massive layoffs at ffg speaking yeah. of if if they can if they can't make it what chances the rest of us have but uh i will say i think the main thing for them is like, yes, Fantasy Flight Games, they have X-Wing and all this stuff, and and yeah, they're selling a lot, but what I always go back to is, can you even imagine what the Star Wars license costs, you know, so... Yeah, but from what I hear, the Star Wars RPG pretty much got killed with this last week, or whenever it came out. But, from, I mean, I don't think there's any change to X-Wing, Legion, Armada, any of that stuff. So I think it's just the RPG. Mm -hmm. So they're, obviously they're, keep, they're keeping the Star Wars license. Okay, so they're just killing the uh, the RPG? 
Yeah, and I don't know what other department was hurt, but I did hear that the, the RPG department was pretty much completely gone. Well, which, so is, the, which is the, sad, but m- most of that... I mean, I don't know how much they were going to do with that anyway. You know, if, if you look, there's... The, the three core books are out. There's, gosh, 20, maybe 30 splat books out for it. So unless they were going to come out with a new version of it, I don't know what else they were going to do anyway. Now, they did have the Genesis RPG, which is fairly new um, and probably was going to have some more stuff come out for it. In fact, we've got something up here. They've got a Keyforge RPG coming out. Um, but... I, I don't know what else was going to happen with the Star Wars RPG anyway. I mean, if anything, it's just going to make people pick up the the last books just to make sure they can get them before they, uh, you know, disappear. I mean, I would figure they would just do supplements and stuff. You know, you could do a book based on the Mandalorian, you know, and just keep yeah. doing stuff. And they've already got a lot of those out there. In fact, they just announced another one. I mean, there was a, a new book just got announced for it, uh, something about uh, pirate book. I can't remember what it was, but it's a, a, star, a star Wars pirate book. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, yeah. So, uh, speaking of FFG, the, um, the X-Wing expansions have, uh, have been announced not to mention, um, some ones were actually not out of this wave, but, uh, the other wave that's about to come out, um, that's already been announced. Uh, what you call it, uh, Barnes & Noble accidentally put them out for sale, <laughs> apparently a couple of weeks early. But this is what we're talking, um, the, these new expansions for this, this wave coming out. This is the uh, the Resistance gets something, and then the Droids, and the, uh, what do you, is it the Republic? The Not Empire. Uh, the, yeah, I think that's called It's the Republic, Republic. yeah. 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 It's it's that cool gunship that the clones use, so yeah, I think that's neat. Although I don't play clones, I'm not really sure how I'm gonna use the uh, the droid gunship, but I def I think I want it. It looks really cool. I've yet to field my droids yet. I finally bought a Sith infiltrator over Christmas because uh, Amazon put it on sale for what I was willing to pay for it. So, um, yeah. But I haven't flown in forever because, you know, Legion takes up all the X-Wing time around mm. now. So the next thing was you mentioned the Keyforge RPG. Yeah. And you guys have played it. It's still sitting on my shelf. I haven't played it yet. So I have no idea what that's going to be, except that that's going to be a, a new setting, I guess, for the Genesis RPG system. So. Mm. I, yeah, I, I don't know, and if it, if it even happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see. And I guess the last thing we had on here was some 6mm news. I guess the main reason I put no, it on No, we here. got one more for you, Adam. Is there one more? Did I miss it? I didn't. Team on Kickstarter, you're going to roll Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. We'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> so the 6mm news, the main reason I tossed this on here was uh, they're coming out with Pony Wars, which is essentially the seventh cavalry versus native americans and uh yeah they're supposed it it'll be six millimeter figures but the rules will be generic going from six millimeter to you know 15 and up and it's supposed to be 
What? It's not anthropomorphic fighting horses, though. So I don't. Have Unfortunately, it's not. It's not My Little Pony Wars. Okay. It <laughs> is just Pony Wars, which is that. And last but certainly not least, the cool mini Kickstarter here is uh, what is this even for? Uh, this is Spin Master Games, and Cool Mini or not, a proud to present proud to present Marvel United, our next Kickstarter campaign. So, this is like a Marvel based. Yeah. So yeah, from the video, I mean they they're they're chibi Marvel figures in miniatures. Yeah. Which we just had a Marvel miniatures game come out. You know, right. uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol from FFG, right. I think. So, but I know how much you love it when big companies like Simon do Kickstarters. So. Not to mention this is Simon. This is fucking Marvel. <laughs> You know, hey, Mar- Marvel's got their fucking hand out. They're like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah we we can't make it, guys. Can you guys pre uh? Can you guys pre order this for me? Yeah, you know. But you know, it's gonna make a billion dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. And I okay, I don't know who Spin Master are, but people are commenting, and you'll have this linked in the show notes. Um, why do why does Spin Mas- Spin Mas- Spin Master have need to do a Kickstarter? And like five down, of course, everybody's <laughs> criticizing it. You know, uh, how a Starcadia quest coming along, the chibi game no one asked for, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then, like, five down is, shut up and give me my money. Yeah. Whoops, there goes $400. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. Come on, people. So, we, we got to be go. better. We got to be better. Uh, anyway, so. I don't know. There I you just go. have a feeling my 10-year-old daughter is going to see that at Miniature Market someday. And chibi Marvel, and she's going to go, yes, I have to have that. You know, I, I honestly figure if it's chibi, what I'm guessing is it's going to be something similar to, like, that Croc, Crocs Master Arena. You remember there was a whole run of, like, little chibi dungeon crawler guys. Like, um, yeah. I think Cool Mini or Not even had some. There was, um, shit, I can't, uh, dun- something dungeon? Oh, Super Dungeon Explorer. Yeah, Super Dungeon Explorer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's basically what it is, is they're using the old Super Dungeon Explorer figures, popping the heads off and just sticking the, uh, you know, hell yeah, this is uh, Iron Man right here. There you go. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway. So, this is a huge, long show, and thank you for uh, staying uh, with us, and I guess continue to follow the drama. Will I go to Kansas City or not? Will I go or not? Whenever I book a hotel room, which I've already got my ticket for the thing to get in, whatever it is, um, I'll make the announcement. I I have committed, and I'll decide that very soon. So I guess for now, we will uh, say goodnight. Stay tuned. What will Adam do? I know. Goodnight, everybody. Goodnight. Night.